And now, introducing the man who celebrated the U.S. victory over Mexico in style by purchasing gold teeth and ordering $200 worth of tacos, as although the jeweler insisted he'd ruin the fronts by eating with them on, he said, quote, My girlfriends and the announcers also said point-blank areola misses would come back to haunt me, and here we are, unquote. After seeing that the Orioles are nearly 10 games over 500 when Ryan McKenna appears, he's begun an underground campaign to have him demoted, released, or quote, play on every single team set to face the Yankees or Red Sox and call it even, unquote. He is Glenn Kular. Good morning from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio of Press Box. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer, Young Jack here with you. Um, I, I, I did not, of course, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I watched literally all of the baseball that I watched this weekend was the inning where Mike Franco made that absurd throw yesterday where like he dropped the ball. It was getting away from a picked it up from his knees and just fired the dude out. It was one of the most, really one of the most remarkable throws I've ever seen. That's the entirety of baseball that I have watched. I'm I utterly checked out. I don't know what it would take, but I saw Black Widow. So I got that going for Similar. me. Similar. And I, uh, oh yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah oh, you mean to? I thought, baseball, I thought right. you meant like you also skipped all the baseball in favor of Black Widow. Skipped this all weekend. the baseball, but not because of Black Widow. I was just in Philly, so ah, yeah. ah, doing um, Isn't doing funny? doing blow. Well, that doing, was separate. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, when you're in Philly, do right. as the Philadelphians do. That's the way that works. Um, watched uh, watched the soccer. Watched. Was trying to think of what else is sports wise. Well, I obviously watched some tennis. And I thought they should lose that match, that soccer game. What's that? I feel like there was a lot of opportunities for Mexico in that game. There were. There were also a lot of opportunities for the it. U.S. Yes, in that correct. game. There was a lot of that. Well, it was like they had really good chances, but yeah. they did not have very much possession. In the, no, the Mexico had far more right. possession, but the U.S. probably had the best chances, I'd say. The two of them, right? Like there I'd was say the, three of the best four chances belong to the U.S., um, and obviously they finally came away with the goal. It's, we'll talk more about it in a minute. Um, what else did I? What else did I sink my teeth into this weekend? That's some John's uh, roast pork. That is a good thing. There is, there is, and uh, ain't nothing wrong with that, as Robert Randolph once said. Also had some. I, I, I also had some burnt end breakfast tacos. Okay, that sounds sounds like a worth giving a shot to. If I was somewhere where they uh, they offered it, I would take a look at that. What else did I did I watch any other sports this week? That's the problem. When the Olympics are going on. Everybody else just kind of bails. There's like nothing. There's no big fights. There's no NASCAR took two weeks off because, you know, I felt it. You, you couldn't possibly run a NASCAR race when, when everybody's watching. As you know, a the crossover between the, the Olympics crowd and the NASCAR crowd Huge. is just overwhelming. So you couldn't possibly run anything related to car racing. I didn't really know what to do with myself. This. It's a very strange time where everything just sort of shuts down for Olympics, particularly considering the Olympics are happening in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like, everybody else is just bailing. It's not because they're on up against the Olympics. The Olympics are all done by noon. You could go ahead and air some other sports. Baseball, of course, being the only one that still exists. So, yeah, just a weird, just sort of a weird vibe to all of it. Weird vibe. Nebulous sports weekend. Our friend uh, Katie Zafiris won another medal. I did not know they did a mixed team triathlon event. How does that work? I have no idea. There is a team triathlon event at the Olympics that involves both men and women, and the U.S. won silver. So do they do different legs? or is I like don't know. Do I know nothing about it. Kyle, I had never heard of it beforehand. I did not. I thought she was done. I thought she won her medal in her event, and then that was that. She also competed in the team triathlon. What'd she get? And uh, they won. 
I just said that. They won you silver. Said another. I thought no, you said, I just said literally said the okay. U.S. won silver. Well, I, I missed that. that portion of it. I, I was I thinking clearly, about the team triathlon aspect of it all. Um, so congratulations to her. Uh, that's neat. We love that. Unfortunately, our friend Abby Gustitis is going to go home without a medal because they lost to Great Britain in the knockout round. That's a bummer. Um, a little payback for the U.K., huh? Yeah, yeah, it's this. I think we're even now. Yeah. I think that's the way that it works. So that's a that's a bummer. Obviously, the U.S. women's soccer team losers this morning to Canada one nil. They'll play for the bronze next. Uh, the tennis sucked. Oh God, awful. I mean, just really bad. We'll do an episode of Courts of Thunder this afternoon. But what was as so I, bad about it? Everything, everything about the tennis tournament sucked. They literally had to keep moving the matches because everybody was crapping out due to the heat. Like it, people. How just, is it over there? I don't even know how hot it is. I like when you hear it. It's somebody was like, "Well, it's 94, but it feels like it's 100 and something." You're like, "They played in that type of heat in the U.S. before. Like that's happened. It doesn't seem like it should be should be this dramatic, but I think it's something related Air to the quality. way the s- and the sun, the way the sun was coming in. It was it was awful. Then you combine that is with Japan closer to the equator. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure Japan's like on par with like san francisco i don't I, I it makes i'm confused by it but i'm also not an expert on these subjects so right. i don't want to have anything i don't want to embarrass myself any further i mean lord knows somebody would say then why do you come on and do the show every day um but then you combine that with the fact that um sasha zverev is just a, a allegedly a horrendous human being and so there's n- absolutely zero good that comes with him winning a, a tennis tournament of any sort. Novak Djokovic throwing a, a hissy fit again during the bronze medal match because he was pissed that he lost the match before it. And, you know, then then you know people want to compare that and somehow correlate it with Simone Biles in some way that doesn't exist and shouldn't have anything to do with tennis. But it does because there are still racists that exist in the world like it's. It's just all sucks. It all sucks. Even the women's gold medal match, which Belinda Benchage won, there was a very there's a great controversy because she took a medical timeout right ahead of the last service game for Vondrasova. And it's a rule that like everybody in tennis has wanted change. You should not be able to take a medical timeout for a non emergency yeah. ahead of someone else's issue. She just needed a, you know, her foot wrap change or whatever. It was pretty clear she was doing it to ice the kicker, if you will, to screw with the other person that's serving. I'm going to purposely do it now. And you can do that within the rules. The problem is the rule. It just sucks. For anybody that likes tennis, you don't want that to be the storyline of the, the championship match. You want it to just be a celebration of the player that won. And you don't get to do much of that. It was just all crap. It was all crap for tennis fans. We'll do an episode of Courts of Thunder a little bit later on. But that was a, that was a huge letdown the last four days of the tennis tournament out in Tokyo. Uh, what else happened? Xander Shoffley won the gold medal in golf. Uh, I don't. It's not my thing. Shoffley or Souffle? Whatever it is. He sure Souffle. Xander Souffle won the gold medal. You had a Souffle. What is a Souffle? It's just like a egg dish, right? Just yes, uh, Souffles are t- are quite tasty. They're airy, they're right? Quite, yes, absolutely. They're quite tasty. Right. Um, covered that. Uh, so congratulations to him. Uh, it was a bizarre story that, that Rory Sabatini won the silver medal. Someone who would not have been able to participate in the Olympics, but he weirdly decided a couple years ago to go from being South African to being Slovakian. We've all been there. So that he could find a way to get into the Olympics. Like, it's just all, it's all so bloody weird. Olympics are a weird bit, man, but. 
Yeah, I've just not been. I think because it's in the middle of the night. Yeah, the middle of the night thing definitely. There's takes some of the air out of it. There's no doubt it hurts. I, I I've always I love Olympic volleyball. It always I always get amped. I don't watch volleyball for four years, and I remember how much I love the sport. It's an awesome sport, and I enjoy watching it. The U.S. men's team is out. Um, the U.S. women got a dramatic win over Italy last night. And then Who were you rooting for? Uh, the the U.S. I mean, I, it's not really like a that's not a debate. If like the U.S. plays Italy in soccer in like the World Cup, I root for the U.S. Trigger. Then after they lose, I root for Italy Trigger. because the U.S. is going to lose every what would time. Say? But in volleyball, uh, she it was uh, it was more my grandfather's side of the family. Than what my would your whatever the it would be like it would be like my it would have to go back to like my great grandfather. What is that term? No, no, no. I don't know. I got to be honest with you. I don't. I do not know. I'm being completely honest. I do not know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I still, I'm still watching. I just wish that I could watch more of it. Um, it's what happens. It's, it's what happens when they play all night and, and, and you sleep. Right? And, well, and it's a weird bit too. I, I this one, the, I know everybody's mad about the, the NBC coverage. The first one that really pissed me off was last night when at mid, so they go away from coverage at 1130 or something like that to take the local, the late local news. Important. Then they come back around midnight. And so they come back, and Tariko's like, all right, uh, there's a set gone by in the U.S.-Italy match, but let's get you there now. And I'm like, all right, that's great. I want to watch some volleyball. That sounds tremendous. And so I watch, like, the, the, the entirety of the second set. I'm enjoying it. I get mm-hmm. into the third set, and then they cut back to Maria Taylor, and Maria Taylor is like, we're going to move you ahead. And I'm like, oh, this is taped, <laughs> which I knew they were playing last night. And so I was like, wait, what? Because that's only like one o'clock in the afternoon Japan time. I'm like, they did they start the match at 10 a.m. and that they're just they yeah, were they're not catering at they all. They were to they were only airing it like a set behind. It's not it's not just that it wasn't live. It was that they could have clearly put it live on the USA Network sure. or CNBC, but they were so hell bent on having it N- on NBC. That they purposely were airing it like 30 minutes behind when it was actually happening, which is the height of bull s when it comes to coverage of the Olympics. That's pretty bizarre. It sucks so much. It's one thing to air, like the thing that happened at 4 a.m., to air it again the night at 8 p.m. when there's nothing live going on. Like, I get why you're doing that. Most people weren't up at 4 a.m. to see it. So, and there's nothing else to air. Like, air it live. I get it. A live volleyball game? I, it's bizarre, man. Bizarre. It really did piss me off. It was like the first time I was genuinely pissed off about coverage of the Olympics so far. So there's that. That's, what, that's, that's, that's my take, if you will. Today's show brought to you by Sports and Social MD. This is the place to be for watching sports, just for hanging out. It is so great, man. I have checked it out. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. They take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. So obviously since the last time we chatted, uh, the Baltimore Ravens have acquired a player. 
and people are more excited about it than I am, but, you know, I'm not nothing towards it. I'm I'm not opposed. The Ravens added Justin Houston finally. He was the last guy sitting there waiting for somebody to sign him. We've been here before with wide receivers. The Ravens went ahead and signed him. Or it is that it wasn't as if he was without offers prior. Yeah, but... He apparently had zeroed in on the Ravens as his destination of which, desire. Which is a nice thing to say, and then how much of that is true versus looking around and finding out that all the offers were roughly the same and this was the best opportunity. Wasn't he supposed to have been offered $6.5 million by somebody? I mean, I have no idea if that's the number or not. I thought it was around there. Um, I, I mean, I saw somebody say that the Steelers had been interested. I don't know if that was they were interested right until they signed Ingram, and then they said, we're not interested anymore, we'll take Ingram. Um, the notion that this is, all a, this is a weird bit to me because it requires information that's been put out there to be measured against you trying to be realistic and thinking about it critically and whether or not all of that information makes sense. And that's a tricky thing to do because you're not saying that some of the things that have been reported are false as much as you're saying, I think that somebody might have purposely planted certain information and a reasonable amount of skepticism would say to you, that seems unlikely. It seems unlikely that a player would ultimately sign for little more than a million dollars if there was such a robust market for him. Is it impossible? Something no. Four, didn't he? No, he signed for something that with incentives could board. get him $4 okay. million. He signed for little more than a million dollars. The notion that there was a robust market for Justin Houston seems largely impractical. Now, again, what's out there is, well, he just really wanted to be a Baltimore Raven. Well, if the Ravens weren't signing him, the idea that as a player you would have such confidence that at some point they would, that you would turn down significantly more money from other teams, again, seems unlikely. Not impossible, not me telling you I know something that people don't know, just a reasonable amount of skepticism would say, this doesn't make sense, which doesn't make it untrue. There's always room to, to finesse your way through all of this and to say, maybe there were other teams that were interested, and maybe hypothetically someone might have offered a little bit more money. Or per, I, there's, there's room for there to be truth to it. The notion of... All of these teams wanted him for a boatload of money, and Justin Houston was just so hell-bent on being a Baltimore Raven that he waited around until the last minute just hoping that the Ravens would somehow end up wanting to offer him a contract. That doesn't really hold up as being the most likely of scenarios. Sure. But somewhere between those two things where... Justin Houston watched other guys sign, saw the Ravens with a team that didn't have a pass rusher, said, I think I could go there. I don't necessarily want to sign immediately. I'm not looking to sign to show up. Um, you know, I, I'm, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm comfortable showing up when I show up. I'm in no rush. Something along those lines. There's somewhere in there that truth can be had. 
but this was a player that was a that no one was willing to give up a compensatory pick in order to sign. That's a an indisputable fact. As excited as you are about the Baltimore Ravens signing Justin Houston, remember every team in the league could have had Justin Houston at some point. All they would have had to have done is give up a compensatory pick, including the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens said, nah, we're not going to do that. If he wants to sign somewhere else, that's fine. He's not worth us losing um, a mid-round draft pick. So that doesn't mean he's not a good football player. That doesn't mean he won't have a great season. You just can't have it both ways. You can't have this be the greatest signing ever, but also keep in mind the the Ravens thought so much of it that they weren't willing to do that. Sure. I mean, Whereas they were for oft injured Sammy Watkins. They that and that's the you say, well, it's it's smart. You shouldn't be willing to give up a draft pick for a player like that. Okay, but they were willing to do that for a guy that can't even see the football field for the most part. Somebody would point to the age and say Houston's thirty what on the wrong side of thirty, Watkins you know, I'm aware injuries are injuries and you can be 27 and always injured and it doesn't matter. I mean, there's no world in which you can count on Sammy Watkins playing yeah. more than Justin Houston. I hear you. There's no world where that exists. Ultimately, it still made sense, right? It was still a logical addition to the roster being that their depth at the position was thin. They lacked a veteran presence on the edge and who knows, maybe he'll take up a mentorship role with the Dafe Owe and, and lead him toward greatness, right? But, yeah, I hear you. It's not I, – I, I hope it's like the kind I'm, of signing I'm, I'm, that, that does. Right. I'm torn. It's, again, I don't think it's a bad signing. I don't think it's a problem. It's There's almost no way that useful, it could be right. a bad signing. When you sign somebody for so little money at this point um, that, that has – been productive had, the past two years. That has been productive. Now, this goes back into the question that, that or the conversation that we were having about Chandler Jones. What kind of production is it? Can he still be on the field significantly – at this point, if he can't, will the Ravens use him the right way? These are all, these are all things that that I, I don't know the answer to. I can't, I can't tell you if the Ravens will appropriately use Justin Houston. I can't tell you if that's part of the reason why they didn't want to sign him earlier. Is they just said, look, you don't really fit what we do here, and it had to be back down to the point where they were literally only going to be signing him for one million dollars, so it wouldn't be a, an expensive mistake if they ended up doing it, right? Like, I, I can't... These are the parts of this that I can't speak to because... We're not in the room. And I'm not... And we're going to bring Bob, Bob Kravitz on from the Indianapolis Star a little bit later. Oh, no, he's not with the Indy Star anymore. He's with the Athletic. Sorry, he was with the Star for a long time. He's with the Athletic. We'll ask him some of these questions and try to get a better feel for what kind of player Justin Houston is. I remember... When the rumors first came up, we had Stephen Holder on, and you know he he certainly thought something of of Justin Houston, but I don't think anybody's really saying that they think he's a three down linebacker at this point. In fact, I don't even know that he was really playing linebacker. Um, I think he was more of like a, a a rush end in that system in Indianapolis. Of course, he played a lot of linebacker when he was in Kansas City. Um, in the years before that, so it's not as if he he hasn't stood up or something along those they lines. Were in a three four or four three there. Where? Indy. I, I I think that he was coming off. I I think I remember seeing somewhere. I look. I I'm gonna end up embarrassing myself in the process. So I'm not gonna say too much. I thought I remember seeing that he was playing more of a D end. Um, in Indianapolis. But it's points. If it's a 4-3, and then a D-end is essentially right. an edge it's, linebacker. It's, and it's but except, well, you say that, except you're not nearly asking them to do the same things. 
Like, there's no world in which you're asking them to do the same things. In a 3-4, you absolutely are going to need that, that stand-up linebacker to be more involved in coverage and to be more involved in other things that you're not particularly asking someone to do when they've got their hand in the dirt. Um, that which somebody might be asked to do more run-stopping, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Ravens don't necessarily need another upfront run-stopper right now. It's... I, I, there's a lot of these things that I, I can't. Think Houston played very well against the Ravens, if I remember correctly, when they played last, last year. I, you might be right about that. I don't I remember that off the top of my head. I, I mean, mean, the Colts' defense in general. Yes, played they very certainly. Well but a, a lot of that was their speed. Their, you know, like their, you know, obviously that was Julian Blackman in particular played cre- tremendously in the first half, and then I think he got hurt, if I remember right. Um, look, I'm not down. I'm not down on the Justin Houston signing in any way. I, I, I think, think it's, it's I think it makes sense. It's certainly to me not. I, it's hard for me to feel like it's the answer because of a million reasons. Because I'm not sure about the Ravens' usage of a rush specialist. Because I'm not sure why a guy was sitting around this deep into the market that a lot of teams could have had and didn't. There's a lot of reasons why I'm. I'm not throwing a parade over the signing of Justin Houston. It's expensive also. Well, I mean, wait a second. I threw, I've thrown parades for less. I have thrown far less exciting parades in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Um, I think it makes sense. I think it could prove to be helpful. And my standard for it being successful is probably lesser than most people's standard. I think a lot of people are going to be upset if Justin Houston doesn't have eight sacks this season. I, I think that would be remarkable if Justin Houston had eight sacks again this season. That would be a coup. If he doesn't, I still think that it could prove to be beneficial because it was a next-to-nothing signing. It's really hard for me to fathom there being a way in which a player you signed for little more than a million bucks could prove to be a bad signing. Mm-hmm. I, my standard is going to be very low for Justin Houston. If if they brought him here thinking he's the answer, the guy that's going to go out and get them 15 sacks, then I, I, that's a problem, right? Like, to me, he's not the answer. He's a guy I in the same they, way they that— They thought that they would have signed him sooner. I, I would like to think that, and they would have signed him for more money, mm-hmm. you know, something along those lines. To me, this is like signing Pernell McPhee. Sign him and see if he can come help. And if he can, like Pernell McPhee did a year ago, bully, man. Like, that's awesome. If he can't, I don't think you're in a much worse place. I don't think that his snaps are preventing a more talented player from getting on the field. They don't really have it. Um, and that's a that's a bigger problem, right? Like that's well, a, it depends on where you're playing them, right? If you're looking at him as a rush end, then they might have it, right? They yeah, might, but I if don't. It's taking snaps away from Matt Weekend. I, I can't, or like I can't that, fathom. Right? I can't fathom for a second that that's how. I would agree. If, I, t- I tend to think he's a linebacker. Yeah, if that's if that's what they're doing, then he shouldn't be here. If Pernelic Fee is a linebacker for them, then I would imagine yes. that he is as well. Oh, I think there's no doubt that he's going to be a linebacker. Now that being said, you know, I I got. I got questions about him playing that position at this point. I got questions about, you know, how the, again, the Ravens' usage of, of these types of players. I, I, I need to see it. Mm-hmm. I need to see it, uh, plain and simple, in order to do that. But I, I get it. Everybody said this was the one thing the Ravens still need to do was to bring in one more edge rusher. And he always made sense. for a lot of people, they would say this means they've done it. And I get it. I, I get that. I get 
It's an on paper sort of thing. I mean, it's yeah, a, it's, you know I, where I, they're I, thinnest on defense, particularly. I, you know what he's done in his career, not to say he can still do it. But well, and and backing it up with him having been fairly productive sure. of late, nineteen sacks the past yes. two years, Correct. probably more than anybody on the Ravens currently. Oh, I mean, there's no yeah. doubt about that. But that's that's not that's not a bar. I'm aware. Like, I mean, look, hey, it's there's no reason not to. Yeah, there's and and for next to nothing, there's no reason not to. There's no debate about any of that. Now, my level of excitement about it is measured. Mm-hmm. It's a measured level of excitement about it. A lot of other people are way more convinced that this is the the final piece and this is I, mean, I I'm not I'm not sure I'm there. I don't think that I feel drastically different or even significantly I different. I think they're better, but how much better I, I don't know. I right? think they could be better. Like rotationally speaking, they're a better team with Justin Houston than without him, I think. But I, I don't know how much they're prepared to commit to him, right? Like if they're expecting him to well, get I, 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 sixty snaps a game, I'm not sure they're better. Well, I mean, but yeah, I, right. I don't. I don't think that can be the case. I, I don't, look, it's, these are all things for us to, and we're getting into the weeds a little bit when it comes to that. I think they're a potentially better football team because Justin Houston is here, but a potentially better football team by a somewhat slim margin. Sure. Hopefully by more than um, we think, right? Hopefully yeah, I mean, I, look, proves I, to be far like we talked about I, time. Pernell McPhee was a nothing, I, and, and then he was something. I, I hope he ends up being a 13-sack guy somehow this season. Whatever that be. Yeah, I mean, look, you know what? I'm with you. May, may that be the case. May he uh, be a 20-sack. Let's All right, I'll records. say it, 50. Sure. I want there to be 50. That's what I want. That's the standard that I have, and if he doesn't get there, it's going to be a, a, a failure, and it wasn't worth doing. Look, I hope that's the case. We will we will see how it is. We also didn't talk trade deadline. I'll, get, I'll get there, Kyle. I will, I will get there. I've got to think time. I mean, NFL I, trade deadline. I, you know, that's not coming for some time. There's there's plenty of time before that ends up being the case. Um, I do have a, a think tank up today at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. It's in the style of a finish this. Uh, now that the Ravens have added Justin Houston, my biggest concern about this team is blank. Now that the Ravens have added, added Justin Houston, my biggest concern about this team is blank. COVID. Um, it's certainly something that's come up. <laughs> yeah, I, I you're, you you joke, half you, joke, you jest, half joke. But uh, a few people have mentioned. Let's say Lamar is not okay. That's so that's number one that concern. That would be a big <laughs> concern. Yeah. That would be a big concern. But John from Little Rock just said Lamar uh, lack of vaccinated Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I Justin Houston, by the way, is not taking the practice field because he apparently needs to be vaccinated. So. But he's getting vaccinated. Yeah. That's the plan. Well, yeah. good. Uh, God bless. I uh, if that was a contingency on his contract. May- maybe that was part of the story. Maybe he was not interested in getting vaccinated, and the Ravens said, we're not signing another player that's not vaccinated. We're not bringing in someone that we think is marginal right now unless you're vaccinated. And maybe that had something to do with the delay in him signing. I, this is the world we're living in now, where if I'm the Ravens, and right. I'm signing a player that I'm marginal at best. That is improvement kind of thing. You're not sure that he's going to make which, the team which, better. And well, and that's and that's uh, it's unfair because he, it's I not at best. I that shouldn't yeah. say that so strongly. But no, I but I, it, I I'm saying marginal, but it's not in the way that like I I don't think he's battling for a roster spot. I think Justin no. Houston, if you sign him, it's because he's going to be on the team. It's more that you're not. He ain't Terrell Suggs. It's not make or break. Correct. I I think I can win without you. And like Lamar, right? Correct. They'll they'll be just fine without <laughs> him. No, there's a handful of players that, you know, the Ronnie Stanleys of the world, of course, and, Humphrey and, and all that, and probably Mark Andrews. There's a handful of players that would have the power to say, 
you you ain't winning without me. So even if the truth is they probably could with everybody but Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's the one guy they absolutely could not overcome. Everybody else they could potentially. It would just be very difficult. But you get further down the list, outside of the top five, six, maybe eight guys, and that next group of guys even is a group of guys that if you're not if you're not immediately moving into that group and you want me to sign you, you better be vaccinated because I'm not taking on another guy that might not be available to me at some point. So maybe that had something to do with it. It's it's totally possible. Um anyway, as I as I said, they finish this think tank. Now that the Ravens have added Justin Houston, my biggest concern about this team is blank. That's what I want you to get to me today at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Today's Finish This is brought to you by Window Nation. 50% off all styles of windows. No money down. No interest for two whole years. 866-90Nation or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Window Nation, the perfect fit. Responses that have come in so far. Uh, From Max, the offensive line. Even though the group was addressed in the offseason, the offensive set success is predicated on shoring up that weakness. Can't run the ball or maximize Lamar's abilities if the line is a sieve again. I'm I'm struggling with this one because I do think it's the the area of the roster that I have the most concern about, but I measure that against the fact that I think that Lamar Jackson can make it work even if the offensive line disappoints. Mm-hmm. Where like my gut is Alejandro Villanueva is not going to work. I think that, to me, is will forever be one of the biggest head-scratchers that I'll ever see from the Baltimore Ravens in making a personnel decision. I have no idea why Alejandro Villanueva was brought in to be this team's starting right tackle. That is... Hopefully they know more than us. Yes, I, I hope that i For I'm, once, you know? Normally I'm, we're yeah, so correct. far Normally ahead of the curve. Yeah, correct. Normally we're way far ahead of them. Everything that I have... I have heard from from anyone around the Steelers sure. was why in the world wasn't really a run blocker to begin with. Right, what this makes he's never played the position before. He's on the downside of his career. What? Why would you do this? Not particularly athletic at right? any point, really. So I'm planning on now. I would love to be wrong. I would love for this to be something that again the Ravens end up looking like geniuses and we all end up looking like dopes about. But I'm planning on this being a problem. I'm just measuring it against the fact that I think they have the type of quarterback that can survive that being a struggle and that being an issue. Now, can it end up being an issue in their ability to get downfield in the run game? Could that be where it really hurts them? Sure. But it's harder for me to... I I think the Steelers should be panicked about the fact that they have this complete unknown in their offensive line and a 39-year-old quarterback. They got a lot of unknown. Cut the cast. That was still so weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they should be pa- – I think if you were in Pittsburgh, you they should drafted be panicked a running back for the, first round, the situation. Though. They did. They got themselves a running back. He can block. Maybe. Maybe he can. For I don't himself. know that. Oh, yeah, you're saying he can both block and run. Yeah. It's a bold strategy. Fa- it's fascinating. I'd love to see how that works out. I'm not panicked about it in Baltimore. Also, it has I think to do with the fact that Baltimore has a history of – a developing, little, it's a finding, l- and turning their offensive line into, and it, granted, it's not always immediate, right? Yeah, like, right. It takes some time it's, sometimes. It's a little bit about that. It's way more about Lamar Jackson. But I have me. more confidence in somebody on this roster being serviceable 
that's, in those spots. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope. I hope know, that's the case. Then I would have for right. wide receivers or right. even edge rushers necessarily, probably. Well, it's it's why I was more, in, in a weird way, it's why I was always more concerned about wide receiver than I was about offensive line. As much as I think offensive line is a problem. And I'm perpetually more do. concerned about wide receiver I'm, than I, I, I remain that way. Uh, but I get it. It's certainly high on my list. Um, for uh, From Anthony, after Lamar's health for me, oddly, it's Jimmy Smith staying healthy. I feel like with him, we can be great and superb in the secondary without him. Uh, without without him. He's been fine so degree. far, right? Jimmy? Is he lingering? Has he got issues already? But he's always been. I'm like aware. The, I'm aware. I, I, He'll miss four or five games yes. inevitably. I, mean, I know that. That's the point. That's the point. Uh, from Rob, it is and always has been, regardless of Justin Houston, can Lamar and the passing offense take the next step? Can't win without that happening. Well, you I, can win, but what I, are you yeah, trying to win? I, I, and I, like, and what I, are you talking about? I maintain again? disagreement with this. Well, if you're talking I, I, about you can't win in the playoffs without that I'd happening, I still disagree I don't know. with that. I, I completely disagree with that. A year ago, I don't know what would have happened if J.K. Dobbins makes that block. This notion that the problem in the postseason has been their strategy or their limitation, none of those things. Okay, but you're probably not going to beat Kansas City scoring 18 points. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I don't know that. Be- In fact, what, they've, what we've gone over a million times, the only time they've had a chance at beating Kansas City is when they didn't get away from what they do. The, the last two years when they've gotten their asses handed to them by Kansas City, it's been because they suddenly wanted to be a team that threw the ball a bunch. There's a difference. They're not mutually exclusive being able to and forcing it are but, not the but same. But these are two different things that we're talking about. This notion that you have to do something different in order to win, I don't agree with that. I don't remotely agree with that. Is it something that I think could make them better? Sure. But I don't for a second agree with the idea that you can't win without the offense evolving. Bull S. They haven't in the playoffs for various reasons. They've lost three playoff games in three years for a bunch of different reasons. Trying to paint the picture as being the singular reason why they've lost in the playoffs is because they weren't a more evolved offense is doing it for our own edification because we want to believe that's the truth and we want them to be a more evolved offense so we want to believe that's the reason why they've lost. It's not Actually, I wouldn't say I'm concerned about that. It's not like I, I don't fear the possibility that they don't evolve. I'm hopeful that they do. I would love for that to be the case. This is a a separate thing. I would love for there to be. I think there already has been, and we just don't want to admit that there has been evolution. I would say my my hope for all of that is more of a macro discussion than it is a micro discussion for this 2021. Yes, my biggest concern related to the Baltimore Ravens isn't whether they take a next step forward. Now, my bigger organizationally, like. For them to establish the ability to draft and develop top-end receivers, like I, you know, I, I always say the chicken or the egg thing is it enough? It's not enough. We know it's not enough to just have drafted Rashad Bateman and put him out on the outside and have defenses say, "Look, there's a top receiver. He has to prove it." Right? Like, and if he does, that doesn't even mean it's because the Ravens developed him. It could just be that he's that good and he would have been good on any football team in that sure. capacity. That of course, still a good problem to have. Yeah. But you know, I. It's a the proverbial monkey on the back, right? Like, part of me just kind of wants it to happen so that I can finally stop talking about it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I sure, but that doesn't I, again. It's not that's a concern, separate, right? It's sure. not a concern. It's I'm not, not a fear. I'm not disagreeing it's an with you that it's something that I want. I I would like there to be more development. I I think if I by the way, my answer to the question is. 
reliability. I I think if this if Lamar Jackson can count on the guys that he's throwing the football to as the season goes on, I don't doubt his ability to make the plays. I don't doubt it. Now, he still needs to play better in the playoffs, right? Like all these things need to be the tr- the, the truth, but I think it goes a long way to be able to count on the guys that you're throwing the football to mm-hmm. to catch the football, to get separation, to do the things that you got to do prove that in they order deserve to make that the case. Attention. Um, yeah, sure, all of those things. That's, that's all on my list. From uh, Brandon, the offensive line, Stanley's injuries, Zeitler and uh, Villanueva coming off their career-worst years. I have far less concern yeah. about Zeitler. I think comparing Zeitler and Villanueva is comical. Mm-hmm. Zeitler's a good football player and has been a good football player for the most part. Villanueva so operating in a phone box, like in a phone booth. What? Phone box. He's in a phone box. What, what's, what, what guard. You're doing less at guard and oh, asked yeah, to do less yeah. at guard I mean, than I, you would be at Villanueva com- where his, com- his liability is. Con- like he has – there's reason for concern for him operating in space. Uh, from Adit, uh, the interior offensive line. That is so bizarre to me. You're you, the interior offensive line being the big, the specifically yes, the concern. About left guard, right? Like or I have really concern about Zeitler. I have concern about left guard. Don't get me wrong, but it's it doesn't. And I guess compare. you can argue until you see Bozeman succeed snapping the football. Sure, I need then, to, I need him right. to do it 100. percent But the guy that you're lining up at right tackle is a bad football player that has never played the position before. Mm-hmm. And you're more concerned about these spots? Oh, I, I don't. I don't know that I get that. Um, oh, John, that's funny. Yes, I, my, my biggest concern is Marlon Humphrey's terrible take about old day. Yeah, what is what is Marlon Humphrey's bit exactly? I'd like, uh, like, I'd, I'd, I'd I think rather people, him have old bay takes than yeah, last I, year's. I, I, people people like Marlon Humphrey because he's very active on social sure. media, and it's like clearly him and not somebody else, and he's kind of. He's a borderline star in this league, and so when you get to that point, Figures you still to, see. Hopefully, he ascends to. Yes, know, I, absolute. It's, star. it's really hard for a, a cornerback to do picks, that. It. Like it's very difficult. There's there's been so few of those types of guys in recent right years that it's like Stephon Gilmore might be the best cornerback in all of football. Ramsey, essentially. At, and even that, you, like he's a star in football. He's not really a. Nobody outside of ardent football fans is particularly familiar with Jalen Ramsey. It's really hard. I mean, it's hard for most defensive players. A lot of people would say there's one. There's J.J. Watt, and that's it. That's the only guy who's transcended among defensive football players that the casual fan knows who they are. Um, it's, It's very difficult to do. But Marlon Humphrey is certainly a prominent football player, and yet is very active and very involved mm-hmm. on social media, and people like it. But, man, he just... I mean, look, do you put it on, I guess you closely just about put it on everything that's not a dessert, right? Yes. There's nothing. Why wouldn't you? I don't know that I wouldn't. So, like, you don't I'm have sure, to. Right, sure. It doesn't, like, it's not a necessity. When I roast but, vegetables, I'm but not the just automatically putting it on there. But the know? notion that if you go somewhere and they're serving vegetables roasted with Old Bay and you'd be like, nah, I don't, no, need, I don't need that. Get out of here, I man. Get the F out of here. Uh, Paul and Ovi Lando, before last week, I probably would have said having adequate depth at tackle and a fill-in for Stanley if he starts the season on pup, but now I'm most concerned about the Ravens quarterback and best player possibly being out again during a crucial stretch of the season. Yeah, that's a it's not near the top of the list. Yeah, it ain't unfair. It ain't unfair at all. And it's also just the unknown of all of it, right? Like, look, you hope he'll be back in, what is it now, eight days? No, it'd be a little, a little bit less than seven, that. Seven, a yeah. week or whatever, like, and it's the minimum and most mild case you could possibly have. But hard not to be fearful of worse situations playing out. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I'm not, I'm not, 
you know, Look, it, I know that he is as elite an athlete as they come. That does not preclude reason, one from. I, I would only fear that if I started hearing something about that. There's no reason. That's not to me a reasonable fear. I do think it's a reasonable fear that unvaccinated players, it's going to be a problem as the year goes on, and there's going to be more situations like what happened against the Steelers a year ago, where you end up having to put out players that that you shouldn't have to play in NFL games because guys didn't want to get vaccinated. I mean, I'm I think kind that's of there. That's reasonable my thing. biggest concern is realistically just tied to the recovery of Nick Boyle and Ronnie Stanley. Um, the tight end situation yeah, sure. constantly perplexed me. Yep. You know, for the past couple of years. Yep. And Boyle is an integral part of what it is they do, both running and passing the football. And he would be a quality insurance policy to smooth the transition from Orlando Brown to Alejandro Villanueva. You feel a lot better about Villanueva if Nick Boyle's lined up in line on the other side of him, right? Like, that's sort of. And we have no reason to think there's been setbacks or that they will not be ready by week one. But until they're on the field playing, you know, that's probably near the top of my list. Okay. Man, I'm... And the tight end depth is thin, right? Like, we are, for a team that we know loves to rely on that position I, as heavily I, as I, they I, do... I, everybody's... There's all this love for Josh Oliver. God, I've never seen him do God, anything on a football God field bless in a real game. I, so. Correct. It's like everybody freaking out about James Prochet in, in training camp this week. I hope that these guys are football players. I, I'll give you my constant reminder. Stop thinking that anything you're seeing right now matters. Stop it. I get it. We're desperate. We're thirsty. We love football so much that we'll take anything that looks like football. Some of you guys are going to sit down and watch the effing Steelers-Cowboys game on Thursday night because you're so football-obsessed and you're so desperate. They will. There is no world in which it will come on my television. They're, the, they're football teams, Glenn. Thank you. Appreciate that. I, I, I've made this clear over and over again in recent years. I will not watch this. What's this on Thursday instead? Anything. No, I've got a kickball anything. game. I, I kickball playoffs. What channel is that this on? Week. I don't know exactly. I think it's on the Harford County Public Access <laughs> yeah, channel. Good, is where you'll be able to watch that. Access, huh? Yeah, access. Correct. That's a. That's exactly what they call it. Um, literally anything. I don't care what you're watching. Instead, it has to be better than watching this product, which is insufferable, and there's no reason for it to exist. It's the Hall um, of Fame, Glenn. It's a big deal. Is it? It's not. They it's play it on not. hallowed ground if they're allowed yeah, to fa- with the Fawcett field quality. Stadium, correct. <laughs> yes. Still going to be playable this year? Well, they, that's why they moved the game to Thursdays, so that it would happen before the inductions. Okay. The problem was the, this year they're, in fact, doing two ceremonies. They're doing last year's class, and yeah, then they're yeah, doing yeah. this year's class on back-to-back days. Do you think um, there will be – no, Ed Reed's not this year, is he? Ed Reed was, has been in the Hall of Fame for multiple years. When did they do that? What are you – I'm are, completely are you on that. drugs? It's Palomalu's this year? Uh, I think he was in last year's class, yeah. yes. I think Palomalu was part of the 2020 yeah. class. And yeah, we had Eunice on talking we'll, about all that. We'll go in. I'm like, what are what is you're doing a weird you're doing a bit of a wacky bit over there. I didn't get a lot of sleep this weekend. I, I, that's fine. Neither did I, for what it's worth. I definitely didn't forget that Ed Reed had been in the Hall of Fame for years. We did a whole, I don't remember, we did an issue, the whole press box issue, celebrating Ed Reed going to the Hall of Fame. Who? Yeah, really weird, really weird thing. That Ted you Reed. There. Yeah, old Ted Reed. Um, from, from Orioles Idiot. Love it. I need, you, need to know who you are, pal. Need to know that. Has to be Lamar. EDC went out and made significant improvements to the wide receiver, O-line, and pass rush units. Disagree. I don't. He drafted a wide receiver in the first round, and that's a good thing. 
us continuing to try to pretend like Sammy Watkins is part of a significant upgrade is not... fair to say they made drastic improvements to the offensive line. I, I in fact, would, would yeah. say it's not even just they didn't make drastic improvements. Yeah. They, I don't feel nearly as good as about this offensive line as I did a year ago. Even though we feel better about Bradley Bozeman at center, it's not as if they've improved the offensive line they, as they, a whole. They as a hurt result. another position right. in order to try to... It's, it's the notion that of saying, well, they're better at center because Bradley Bozeman's the center. Maybe so. There's no way for me to know that anybody who might be playing left guard is at all better than the guys that were playing center a year look, ago. To be fair, look, we love Bradley Bozeman as much, if not more, than anyone. We still have yet to see him play center in the NFL. So, like, I, I, right? I'm not. I'm, I'm not, not terribly I'm concerned about it. Worried, but yes, but to, we've the, seen to the point reports that, that he was having some snap issues in uh, practice on Friday or Thursday. Right? Like, like, you you got to go out and prove that you can do it. One thousand percent. And I need to know that somebody can play left guard. And, like, I get that we're all just assuming that someone can. I'm less worried about that than right tackle, but yes. Far less worried about it than right tackle, um, where I don't think they have one and and need to be proven wrong. Look, I, I think Phillips can play adequately. I think that they'll figure it out, right? Like, I don't think that you can say that. I don't think you can say they made a significant um, improvement in any of these areas. With with The only thing I can give you is that they at least spent another first-round pick on a wide receiver, but... I, on I, paper, they are far better at receiver than they were last year. I, far better, I can't. I think they, that for what it's worth, on, while I'm never going to count on Sammy Watkins being healthy. There's no world in which I can count on anything him from Sammy Watkins. as a fourth receiver or third well, receiver. He's not a fourth receiver. Is an upgrade to what they had last year and two years ago, right? Like they were trotting out the likes of Willie Sneed and relying on, and maybe Miles Boykin would be better somewhere else, and maybe he's just had an unfair shake because I, the Ravens' I, offense I, isn't what... You're you asking know. me to say that I feel stronger about Sammy Watkins than I do about Willie Sneed, and I don't. I think Watkins is... I, I think Even Sam, I think a 70% Sammy Watkins is still more athletic than Willie Sneed. I, I don't even know what that means. Watkins like, is explosive when he's healthy, and he's ne never healthy, I'm, I'm he's aware. He's never right? healthy, like, and he's not... Been productive, like more productive than the Ravens' receivers normally. But again, there's different offenses you, and all of that. I'm keep, not. You keep saying apples that. to oranges. I am aware. He's not a productive football player outside of the first year. I mean, outside of the one year in Buffalo when he was super productive. 800 yards is 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 about as good as you could ever hope for from a Ravens' second or third receiver. That's, I think, a reasonable expectation for a lot of these guys. And in this offense, the notion that I'm assuming that that guy is getting 800 yards is. Like I, I think that Willie Sneed in another offense would have been an 800-yard guy. That's about the production that he would have had. This thing where I'm pretending like Sammy Watkins is anything other than a guy that we think more about because he was once upon a time a high draft pick and, and a super exciting player is silly to me. I don't know what we're doing where we're spitting in the face of what we know Sammy Watkins to have been. Again... I hope that there's some magic elixir that makes him a football player in Baltimore. That would be that would be great. But saying that Sammy Watkins improves something on paper is antithesis. Like on paper, it doesn't really do anything. Now it could prove to be better than that. I think it's an improvement in that with him on the roster, you are now able to take a square peg out of a round hole in Hollywood Brown playing on the outside all the time. Also, by the way, Sammy Watkins hasn't sniffed 800 yards. I don't know what we're doing. This bit where we're pretending like Sammy Watkins has been at 800, it's, it's not been close. Fair enough. But we're talking about if he's healthy and on the field, he'll be an outside receiver, and uh, Hollywood Brown can slide inside and play his probably more natural slot position. I, the, the wide receiver thing entirely has everything to do with Rashad Bateman. If, if Rashad Bateman's a football player, then yes, they made a, a significant upgrade at wide receiver. 
but I need to see that first. Like I that that's something that has to be done. Rashad Perriman was drafted around the same point in the draft and wasn't a football player. I like Rashad Bateman immediately more than I like Rashad Perriman even when they drafted him, but I still need to know that. The I notion like, it's good to see him, you know, getting catches against Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, it doesn't th- no. It's it's indifferent for me. I th- the notion that that means that Marlon Humphrey was trying or any of those circumstances. I would like to think he was trying. You keep saying that it doesn't I know too much about this to pretend like that's the case. These, the notion that these guys are out there, a guy like Marlon Humphrey is going for it on day four of training camp at this point in his career is not somewhere I'm going to join you. He's too smart for that. It doesn't mean that Rashad Bateman is a bad football player or couldn't potentially do that when it was real, but trying to get excited about these things, we're doing it for our own edification. It's not because Rashad Bateman is proving that on day one he's ready to beat corners like Marlon Humphrey. We have no idea if that's the case or not. None. Zero. But I hope it is. I I hope that he's ready to beat, you know, not specifically Marlon Humphrey because they play on the same team, but I hope he's ready to beat the best corners in football on day one. But we don't have any evidence of that because we saw a pass that happened on day four of a training camp practice. That doesn't mean anything. Zero is what that means. Um, but I, I mean, I just this notion that made, made significant improvements. The wide receiver O-line and pass rush unit, subpar supporting cast won't be a valid excuse this year. I, I don't think that I have so, no, no idea where that's coming from. I have no idea where you're getting that they made significant improvements in any of those areas. They invested draft picks. Three of their first four draft picks were in those areas. And if those draft picks pan out, that should help. But this notion that the Ravens, five, right? Well, if you're at, I mean, I, once you get past the third round, I'm not. I, I get it. Talon Walls was thought of as a potential day two type talent that's, and that's, all that, right? That's, like, that's all well and good. And I hear you. And I, I but I don't, I don't measure. I'm things. not counting on him to do anything this year. Anything after means. the first three, three rounds has got to be found money. You know what I mean? Like, I guess it was out of the first six because they had two third round picks with Stevens. Right. The, that's why I said three of the first four because Stevens and Cleveland were the two, um, four third round picks. Yeah. Um, they invested high draft picks on in those areas, but the notion they went out and signed prime free agents and is is not true. They pick guys up off the scrap heap, and that doesn't mean that they can't work. I keep saying this a million times. Sammy Watkins might prove to be a football player somehow. I might we might end up thinking that Alejandro Villanueva was one of the the most genius things that the Ravens have ever done, and Justin Houston could prove to be. A godsend. But pretending like the Ravens signed top free agents instead of signing the wide receiver that was available after the good wide receiver signed. Depth. They signed a, depth. A, a tackle that no one seemed to want and the last edge rusher on the market. we got to be more realistic than that. I hope they work. I hope they're all good football players. But significant improvements? Come on, guys. Come on, stop. We're smarter than this. Continue to get me your responses. Zach Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Biggest concern, now that the Ravens have signed Justin Houston, is what? That's what I want to know. At Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter is the way to get in. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. We'll find out more about Justin Houston. Bob Kravitz from The Athletic. He covers the Colts. He's going to join us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. 
here. It watch out for the first time. The PGA Tours FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms Coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at SportsSocialMD.com. That's SportsSocialMD.com. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit. And after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window, plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Let's have your... Chris Jericho, the champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Tweet us at Glenn Clark Radio. 21st Century Talk Radio at glennclarkradio.com. Back in here on GCR from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio of Pressbox, the Purple Takeover is coming to the Maryland State Fair in Timonium 10. Past, present, and future Baltimore football legends will all be there 
at the Maryland State Fair with Great Eights memorabilia. The list includes Hall of Famer Lenny Moore, first-round pick Adafi Owe, Big Country Ben Cleveland, All-Pro Ronnie Stanley, Hollywood Brown, and more. Get your tickets right now by going to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, Great Eights, so Great Eight S Memorabilia.com in order to get your meet-and-greet tickets. And there is one ticket package that's only 350 bucks and covers your pictures and autographs with all 10 Baltimore football stars. And if you know how these things work, you understand that is a ridiculously good deal to meet all of these people, get all of your pictures and autographs with them. That is a silly deal that is being offered by our friend Chris and Great Eights Memorabilia. 350 bucks for pictures and autographs with all 10 Again, get your tickets right now, great8smemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, great8smemorabilia.com. The Colts were actually practicing this morning at 10, so we had to do this a little bit earlier on, but an opportunity to find out a little bit more about Justin Houston with Bob Kravitz from The Athletic here on GCR. Joining us now here on GCR, a man who knows a thing or two about uh, the Indianapolis Colts as he's been covering them for some time. He's with The Athletic now. Let's find out a little bit more about New Raven Justin Houston as we chat with Bob Kravitz here on GCR. Bob, it's Glenn and Kyle in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you as always, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. It's my pleasure. Bob, why isn't Justin Houston still an Indianapolis Colt? Why were they not particularly interested in bringing him back after last season? Yeah, I, I thought honestly that they were going to bring him back because he's been very good for them the last couple of years. But they've, they've got a lot of young uh, pass rushers who they, uh, they want to see develop. And uh, th- their first two draft choices this year were Quiddy Pay and Dio Ode- Ode- I can't even say his name. Yeah, sure. Dio Odingbo. Yeah. And so I think they want to give those guys a chance to develop. Kimoko Ture is another guy they want to develop. Um, uh, Taekwon Lewis. So – I just think they felt like they needed to move forward with some of their younger guys and not stunt their growth by continuing to play uh, Justin. But you're getting a good football player there. Okay, so tell me more about that. This is a guy that's now approaching, you know, he's on the other side of 30, and he's still, as you point out, been productive, 19 sacks over the last two seasons. Although, again, not just the Colts. He was sitting out on the market to be had, and the Ravens got him for a song. Um, what are we missing? Like, what, what, what is it that might lead to him not have been so desirable? I, I, I am a bit confused by this whole situation. Yeah, me, honestly, me too. Um, you know, I, I do think, though, that uh, he, you, you look at him as more of a situational type of player now. I don't know how the Ravens plan to use him. You know better than I do, but I, I see him as a uh, situational third-down pass rush kind of guy rather than a three-down guy now, although he's very good against the run, or he has been in the past. Um, you know, I, I just think that he, he's, because of his age, uh, nobody really wanted to uh, to make that uh, investment except Ravens, and I think the Ravens have, uh, you know, made a very good move. What, what you're talking about, Bob Kravitz is with us here on GCR. What you're talking about is also concerning here. The Ravens have traditionally been 
uh, unwilling to to simply use guys in pass rush roles, right? Like they traded for Unique okay. Ngakwe a year ago, and then and then didn't do that. Like they they you know he made almost no impact after they gave up a, a pretty good price in order to get him. Um, but what you said there is interesting to me. You you still think he's capable of of playing against the run? Do you still think he could be on I the do. field? I do. You know, I, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but uh, you know, based on the on the eye test. Yes, I, I do think he's perfectly capable of uh, playing the run. Uh, you know, he was he was not a situational guy here in uh, Indianapolis. He played, you know, all the time. So yeah, I, I I still think I still think there's gas in the tank. I really do. I mean, boy, we like the sounds of that. We really do. I'm just still confused as to why he was sitting here. If that's the case, I don't I don't get it at all. Why he's the man? A good, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's not. It's, it's not like a situation where he's a, a locker room uh, issue. He's a he's a great uh, veteran professional uh, by every stretch of the imagination. So, yeah, I'm. A, I was a little surprised that the Colts let him go, and I'm surprised that uh, it took so long for him to. Uh, find a place to play, but I'm glad he did. Uh, just just one more on, on Justin Houston. As you, you mentioned him being a good guy. Like, is he is he a guy that's going to come in? The Ravens drafted uh, Adafi Owe in the first round. You obviously mentioned the Colts right. one edge rush. Is, is that something that is significant with him? Is he the guy that, like, young guys look to and learn from? How important could that be? as the Ravens have struggled to identify a sort of pass rusher of the future post-Terrell Suggs, how key could he be as a mentor, as someone that could help with um, some of these younger pass rushers? Yeah, I think you probably just got to the, the whole gist of it. Um, I, I think that he's a guy who will be a, a great leader uh, and a great mentor for your young pass rushers. He's um, – like I say, he's got his he's got his stuff together, and uh, I think that uh, it will um, be a great benefit to those young guys to work uh, with Justin Houston. And yes, he he does have the kind of personality um, that would suggest to me that he'd be great uh, in that mentoring role. Is there any any negative at all that you can pass along to? Is like I'm so Bob, you you haven't done anything. You're making us very happy about this, but we are no, still I'm, confused. I'm here to make you happy in Baltimore. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, no, I, I honestly, I was a little, the only reason I wasn't completely surprised is because they went and got Odengbo and uh, Quiddy Pay uh, with the first two picks. And, and look, you know, the guy's on the other side, um, age-wise, and he's expensive. And I just don't think the Colts are ready to go in that direction, but I – I think he'll be a really nice pickup for the Baltimore Ravens. I think it's probably safe to assume he's not much of a coverage linebacker, though, correct? That would be a safe assumption on your part. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't think that's what the Ravens are bringing here to be. But, as we said, they like to have guys on the field. Hey, Bob, because we have you, what's um, what, what what's going on with Carson Wentz? Um, I, you know, like, do, do we know yet really what's going on with Carson Wentz? No, we don't. Well, we hope to find out today. If I just pulled into the uh, parking lot here in Westfield uh, where the Colts uh, have their camp, and uh, uh, Frank Reich will be back today for the first time since going out with COVID. Um, and I fully expect we'll have more information today. Um uh, but the latest we've heard is that he's going to, you know, do uh, physical therapy and rehab and all that stuff 
and try to hold off on uh, any kind of surgery. But if that doesn't work, then surgery might be uh, in the cards in case he would miss the beginning of the season. Uh, that's bad news for the Colts for a lot of reasons. Yeah. One, uh, th- their only real veteran backup right now is a guy they just grabbed, Brett Hundley. Um, and that doesn't inspire uh, much in the way of faith. No. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just it, – it's a messy situation, They and they have a really tough schedule early on, and you want Carson Wentz. And the other thing is, this is a, you know, he's a first-year quarterback in your system, and granted he's got quite a relationship with Frank Reich, but I'm not sure you want to go into, into the regular season – with with uh, Carson Wentz not having participated uh, very much in camp or in preseason games, I I, to- I totally understand. It also seems odd that someone who's been as injured as Carson Wentz has been, the Colts didn't have a more significant backup plan in place. But that's a conversation for another day. Uh, Bob, if I could, before I let you go, and I, I know this is probably a conversation that we could have for hours, and I'm going to look to do it in like two three minutes, so it's a mistake. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I wrote a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. Can you um, paint a picture for me about how like the Colts fan base and that community feels about sort of like this almost obsession it feels that um, the franchise has with promoting the Baltimore side of history and like wearing those throwbacks and putting out videos and you know, like particularly knowing that the players that you're referencing didn't want to have any association with Indianapolis. Can, can you, I, I, I say this as someone like, I, I, you know, as a Baltimore Orioles fan, I have no interest in celebrating St. Louis Browns history. It does nothing for me. I have no association <laughs> with it. Can, can, you, can you describe like what, what the community feels when, when this seems to be something that constantly comes up um, and maybe maybe we just feel that way because we get so bothered by I, it here. Yeah, I, I think that that's one way uh, thing. Uh, I, I you know I, I think people in Indianapolis find the Baltimore uh, history to be fascinating. Um, you know whether you know we like to think of these teams as as community community teams, but the fact of the matter is as Jim as the, as the late and lamented uh, or unlamented I should say uh, Bobber say said hey it's not your team it's my team it's your safe team and no I, I i think around here people you know especially when peyton was around and he'd be talking about unitas and amici and gino marchetti and people like that i i think people around here think it's really cool uh i can totally understand how people in baltimore might not uh clearly the ravens left all the history in cleveland so it was a different deal. It was a different time, but uh, it's not it's not a real issue around here, to that's, be honest. That's with so you. weird. I mean, like again, I, it, look, obviously we feel very different. It's just weird to me. I just it'd be so strange for me to celebrate players that I had nothing to do with. Like it would just be an odd, yeah. odd thing for me altogether. All right, Bob Kravitz. Um, people can of course follow you on Twitter. It's at b kravitz, correct? Correct. And check out everything at The Athletic. Uh, and if you're not subscribing to The Athletic, I think you're an insane person because it's an absolute Great tremendous stuff. resource. Bob, always appreciate you taking the time for us. There, you've, uh, you've certainly made us feel really good about Justin Houston. And so we will take Good, good. We'll now t- we'll go out and get like one sack. And yeah, right. And then we'll blame you. We'll call I'll, you back at the end I'll of the year. I'll like a moron. I'll say, what the hell, Kravitz? I thought we were getting oh, a player. <laughs> hey, Bob, always yeah. appreciate you <laughs> taking the time for us. Thanks so much for doing it. All right. Take care, man.
Thank you to Bob Kravitz from The Athletic for joining us this morning. He's very excited about Justin Houston, it seems. Doesn't I mean, I, again, that picture of how complete a linebacker he is sort of still looms in the air. I don't know, but he certainly Ravens couldn't have expected him to be a cover guy, I don't think. Well, and again, that could play a role in in all of this. It could be very well where they're like, look, yeah, but we... you'd also think if he were a stellar run and pass rusher, other teams would have probably been. Oh, you would certainly think that. There's no right. doubt. But it could be unique that like he re- if in all in this scenario where he really wanted to be in Baltimore, sure. the Ravens said, look, we we like you, but what we think that we can use you for, it's not worth more than a little bit more than a million bucks for us. It's just not worth. We we can't pay $5 million. You're not going to get us to restructure for, deals. Yeah. yeah, correct. Something along those lines. Um, but, you know, it, it certainly doesn't hurt hearing those things from Bob Kravitz. There's no doubt about it. Of course, the son of Lenny. No, unrelated. By the way, that tweet of uh, that uh, Lenny, Lenny Kravitz sent out of him and Jason Momoa yesterday might be Old the single fellas. single sexiest tweet I've ever seen in my entire life. My God. <sighs> How lucky is Lisa Bonet? People are like... I feel like it would kind of suck that Lenny Kravitz is your dad. Why? Because all your friends would want to bone him. I mean, that might be true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> that might be true. I, <laughs> I don't know Zoe Kravitz personally to like know what that was like growing up. But yeah, I imagine it was. It probably came up a time or two. Um, like, like, like their, their, like their friends don't want to bone Jason Momoa too. Like, you just go from one to the well, next. It's different man. though. That's like a covet. I kind of want them to do a buddy cop picture, though, the two of them. Like, he's I an really, actor, is he? Yeah, he's very much an actor. He was in uh, The Hunger Games. He was in... He's definitely acted, for sure. He's just a good-looking fella. He's, well, he's just a guy by, that's he's like... He's certainly a good-looking fella. And by the way, he's our, his music is tremendous. Sure. Um, one, of the, one of the more puzzling things to me, why Lenny Kravitz isn't, isn't thought of more highly for the greatness of his music. His music was phenomenal. Um, did he write American Woman? No, he most certainly did not write American Woman. Yeah, he did. Oh, I'll say he did. Counting it. Oh, that's, that's Counting it for troubling. Team Kravitz. That is truly troubling. Who did? Um, American Woman yeah. is, I want to say, 1974? I want to say was around. Let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can confirm that. Um, it was the, the, oh, God, the Guess Who? Uh, did he have a mustache? It was no, no. The band was called the Guess Who. Uh, is he bald? No, no, no. The band was called the Guess Who. Is it a woman? Yeah, thank you. Uh, let me get the year. 1970. Ah. 1970 Loser. is when American Woman came out. By the way, ironic. I did not realize this. The Guess Who, Canadian band. It's well, iconic. He's Canadian. I don't know how you iconic. would tell that by the face. You keep trying to make this a Lenny Kravitz thing. No, no, no. Like, did he? So oh, is he? All right, all right. That's a bad bit. That's, that's a fun game. By it the way. was fine for to start. Now it was a really it, fun game. It, it, it's over. It's very one much. of my favorite games as a child. Oh, the the, the is your character bald or yeah. is your guy bald? They yeah. still call it Guess Who? I don't know. I don't know if they it still, still exists. It. I have no idea. Why Could wouldn't it? <sighs> don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C three to get roof and siding repairs for just the cost of your home insurance deductible. 410-401-9797 or go to c3america.com for your free analysis. I do not and never will understand that that whole Colts thing. You just I Yeah, it's awkward. this this notion of of and by the way, I I wanted to write about it a couple weeks ago and the only Colts fans I heard from were like the the 
cry more about it. Mm-hmm. Like that, and I just, you know, you offer nothing to society. They wanted to leave that dump city. Like once, when you're someone who's like, uh, you know, when you're a, well, why don't you cry about it? You just, you, I'm just telling you this because nobody else has. You don't offer anything to society. I, I'm sorry. You know, reevaluate your life. Go about doing it. You, you just don't, you have no redeeming qualities at that point. Maybe they're good cooks. Um, I would love, I would love to, 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 I cannot fathom. What's the most infuriating thing about the Ravens Ring of Honor? What Biner. does everyone always bitch about in Baltimore? Ray Lewis. That they look up and they have to see Ernest Biner's name. Ernest Biner was not a bad guy and he was in Baltimore and all those things. He was a great guy, but Ernest Biner was a, was a nothing to the Baltimore Ravens. He was, you know, a a, a zero a player. He was a nothing. Chester he Taylor was deserves small, more recognition. He was a, a, an assistant coach. He's in the Ring of Honor because Art Modell wanted to do something for him. It's the only reason he's there. And it bothers us every time we look up. Every time we look at it, it bothers us to our core to see Ernest Biner there. I cannot fathom being a fan of the Indianapolis Colts and even being indifferent towards their obsession with the Baltimore Colts, it would piss me off. I have nothing to do with any of that. It means nothing to me. It means nothing to my father. It means nothing to my grandfather. It is not my history. I don't want it. Get it the F out of my face. But the helmets are so cool. They are, for what it's worth. They are great helmets. It's so insane to me. Like the obsession that 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 Jim Irsay has with you know we we need to do more ret- like I I just can't fathom that I can't fathom what's wrong with your head right. that that's a, well that's a, the yes. Jim Irsay thing is a different conversation but I mean even the people of Indianapolis did not step up at some point and say hey chief stop we don't want this we don't want you to care so much about the place that you used to be. It doesn't mean a damn thing to us. And Bob Kravitz, well, I think people here are like really kind of interested in that, and they like that. Like, wh- why? Because it's the richest history they have. I mean, you get Peyton Manning was but pretty damn good, and that's the thing. If they hadn't had Peyton Manning, you would understand it maybe a little more. They, they've, ironically, not nearly as successful as the Ravens franchise, and that the Ravens sure. have won multiple Super Bowls, and they won one. Um, but. They have a, cel- a history that's worth celebrating now. Like, they do. They've accomplished things. Jim Harbaugh. That one probably a little bit less worth celebrating. He did win a playoff game, I think, at one point. I think he beat the Steelers in a playoff game, if I remember correctly. Um, like, I, I think he definitely, he definitely beat uh, the Chiefs in the playoffs once as the, uh, the quarterback. you got to bring him back. He's the answer. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, the Ravens. Oh, the Ravens? No, I don't think that's going to be the route they look to go. I think that we'll pass on that. Um, I just, I'll never be able to understand that. All right, so Grant Wall is going to join us later on this hour. So we're going to, are we going to do Jeremy earlier? Yes. What time? 11.20. 11.20. So we got to take a break? Yes. All right. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back in. We'll chat with Jeremy Kahn. We'll chat, uh, talk some soccer with Grant Wall, of course, one of the preeminent voices of soccer in America, a uh, longtime SI writer, the football podcast. Uh, Grant Wall is going to join us. Clearly, it was a very exciting night for um, U.S. soccer fans last night as they beat Mexico in the Gold Cup final. Sadly, the women uh, lost in the Olympic semifinals to Canada 1-0 in sort of a lackluster performance. We'll talk about all of that with Grant Wall before we wrap up the show. 
I was going to take a few minutes when I thought we had the time to just talk. There isn't much to say about the trade deadline on the Orioles front. They didn't do anything. Freddie Galvis is gone, so God bless. Um, I I'm, I have no opinion. I don't. I have no, no way of knowing what they it. turned down in no, in lieu of I, not making trades. I, I am. I am. I'm, I'm sure there were some offers for other guys. I, I would like to think, right. but I'm wildly indifferent towards whatever decision they were going to make. Short of, I did say once you started seeing some of the returns that were being thrown around, like once you started seeing Austin Martin being dealt and you say that. I mean, you talk about Nick, the Trey Turner and the Scherzer trade. It's not as always. I mean, I get it. That correct. Like, like I. If if you could have traded Trey Mancini and Cedric Mullins to get some sort of haul, I would have done it. And this is what I'll say. If you're going to hold on to these guys, you better start thinking about buying out their arbitration years. And if you're not, there's, there's still some room problem. for them to, as assets, maximize their value as well. I, and and in, specifically with, say, Cedric Mullins. Yeah, you, and Means. You needed to. Means. If he comes through and comes back and pitches for really, like, for the next I, year, I would, the next I would 30 be, starts are I'd really good. I'd be hard-pressed to fathom him having greater value because you're getting closer to free agency, but could he certainly have similar value than, you know, coming off an injury? Yeah, it's possible. It's yeah, possible. I yeah. I hear you. Totally possible. All right, Jeremy Kahn joins us next. Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at SportsSocialMD.com. That's SportsSocialMD.com. Here it Watch out! For the first time, the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. Hey everybody, this is Chris Ruling at Great Eights Memorabilia. The Maryland State Fair is right around the corner and we're going to be taking over with the largest Baltimore football signing in over three years. The Purple Takeover is coming to its Millennium Fairgrounds for the massive Maryland State Fair from August 26th through Labor Day Monday. You'll have the chance to meet Pro Bowl tackle Ronnie Stanley, Hollywood Brown, first round pick Odafe Away, Big Country Ben Cleveland, Hall of Famer Lenny Moore, and many, many more from your football team. Tickets are available at GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's great, the number 8S, memorabilia.com. And remember, as always, be great. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, 
and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit. And after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window, plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Thomas Kenzora profiles University of Maryland quarterback Talia Tongavailoa and his chance to deliver the Terps to Big Ten prominence this year. Also inside, Bo Smolka breaks down the Ravens' offensive line, a look at Coppin State's Olympic connection, and much more. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You are out. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. All right, back in here on Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio of Pressbox. Glory Days Grill's popular summer seasonal menu is back with favorites like their very berry salad and smoky thigh wings. Featuring the all-new shrimp po'boy, crispy fried shrimp on a freshly baked sub roll with lettuce, tomato, and a house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York strip steak, the barbecue chicken bowl, the barbecue ribs and smoky thigh wings combo platter, the zucchini fries, and a key lime pie. All of these meals pair well with Sam Adams' summer ale or their anniversary IPA brewed with devil's backbone. Find out more by going to glorydaysgrill.com. It's Monday. That means we catch up with our buddy Jeremy Kahn, who I believe has uh, consumed all of the jungle juice in Ocean City. Over the course of the last few days, he's with us now here on GCR. Jeremy, on a uh, scale of uh, like negative one to negative ten, just how sober are you right now? Oh, I'm completely sober. So <laughs> it's really disappointing. That's really disappointing. yeah. It is. Well, it's it's still early, but um, but yeah, it's been interesting. We're about ready to crash some kid's hotel uh, party, and we're gonna steal all his beer. Nice, so cool. nice. Is this like like what what you do with your your sons now when you go down to the beach? Yeah, I'm teaching like, them how to do this the I, proper way. I like that. Yeah. I like everything about that. All right, your your priorities for a beach trip are what? Well, I I'm not a huge fan of the beach. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like you going and I, to the beach. You and I agree aspect. with this. Yep, you and I yeah. agree wholeheartedly about this. Um, so my wife was surprised the other day when it was like overcast and it was really cool. And I sat down in a chair, and I got really comfortable. and took a little nap, and my kids walked back, and um, she's like, are you going with them? I said, no, I'm good. And she's like, really? <laughs> so, so, like, I was just literally at the beach now for about an hour and walked back. I, I don't um, know why this is hard. The, on, on a sunny day, I'm going to die. Like, this thing yeah. where, like, my wife is like, I just want to lay out and read a book. I'm like, right, I could do that inside where the sun isn't looking to murder me with a knife, you know? It, it's you know, it's so weird. Like, I saw people down here that look like they've been tanning their entire life, um, where their their skin is just bronzed. And, and I get out there, and no matter how hard I try, maybe it's just re-exposing yourself the, the appropriate way to the sun. 
Mm. Um, you know, I've seen a few times where you've re-exposed yourself. I would, yeah. I would encourage I mean, no you to stop No tan lines doing down here, Glenn. No tan lines. <laughs> That's good. Um, no, but, but, you know, I've seen people that are just, they just brown. And I'm like, well, who the hell are these people? Because I read. That's, that's all that happens to me. I just get red, and then skin starts peeling, and it's uncomfortable, and it you know the rest because you probably do the same. Yep, one thousand percent. I will never understand people that are just like, I just love sitting on the beach. F that. I will get in the water <laughs> for a bit, like for a little while. I'll get in the water. Once I get out of the water, it's time to go to the pool. It's time to do anything other than sit on the bloody. I'll dry off beach. enough so that I'm not walking back caked in sand. Yeah, sure, something now, like that. I know if you don't use it, you lose it. Yes, but is the reason that fact. the water is salty because of all the fish pee? Is yes, that true, too? that's 100% accurate. All of yeah. these things are completely true. By the way, this is a weird <laughs> bit. My sons, who will pee anywhere. Like, I've, this has been a problem. Because, you know, you know where we live, Jeremy. we got a lot of space mm-hmm. out there. And so I, of course, like most males, prefer to use the outside bathroom instead of the, uh, the, the indoor facilities. My sons have joined me in that way. They both enjoy peeing outside. I had to get a call from, uh, from my four-year-old school one day where I was informed that in the middle of recess, he just walked over and pulled his trousers down and started peeing on the side of the building. They well, were... that's the building, at least. It's not like it's Correct. A, there is you know, that, right? It's not a flash. I did that in the middle of recess, and then I got, I got to spend seven days in the claim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A little bit different. Yeah, I mean, I was 32 at the time. Right. But, so. <laughs> right, but, you know, still, you had to pee. It's what it is. <laughs> and you'll do it again within yeah, 200 yards of a different school. Damn it. Um, the, the more of the story, it, like, I, they, we've been playing putt-putt before, and I've just literally watched them pull their pants down. Like, this has been a problem in my life um but yet when we're at the beach and my six-year-old says we're in the water and i say i have to pee and i say go ahead like i have nobody we ain't walking back to the room you're in the water just go right ahead and pee he sudden he panics i no i can't do that boy you pee everywhere why can't you pee in the freaking water it's insane i don't understand it at all man we don't need you adding more pool peers to the society glenn it's not i we understand we have painted the difference significantly you don't pee in the pool it's fine to pee at the in the ocean totally fine yeah to to your point you know it's trying to like i have an 18 and 19 year old so it's trying to juggle it uh, uh where you know the wife and i will get some some time to go out have a nice meal and then we'll do the family stuff and trying to you know, have a healthy dose of both to where it doesn't yeah. feel like you're just one-sided. Um, but then we got down here Wednesday night and Thursday, I started having tooth pain, oh. Um, oh. which has absolutely made me miserable because I'm yeah. going, all right, I have to figure something out. It's Thursday night, so Friday would be the last day. Do I drive home and get this looked at? Do I? So my, my dentist, uh, you know, sent me a prescription down here to a CVS um, for, it's like Tylenol 3, which is Tylenol with codeine and, oh. um, and, and an antibiotic. So... I've been trying to like muscle through it and then we'll get, and it always hits me at night. I don't know what the deal is. If your body just relaxes at that point or what, but like at night it's, it's just been a hot mess. So I've got two more days to get through. And then uh, I have a lovely uh, dentist appointment that I'm looking forward to on Wednesday when I get back. God, that sounds just terrible. Where they're going to remove the tooth. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but it really oh, kind of brings It's a lot of fun, down. man. Yeah. yeah right? so. <laughs> uh, the, but the kids actually hang out with you while you're down at the beach still? Like, they actually... Yeah, spend... we... I mean, we'll do stuff. Um, like, you know, we walk the boardwalk. They, it's like going out to eat. We'll uh, putt-putt, which, you know, they're all getting smoked in. They know what the deal is. Yeah. yeah. Like, who's playing for seconds? Because Dad's here to win. Correct. Um, and... Uh, 
And then, like, today we're going on the banana boat. We did an escape room. You know, stuff like That's that. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. All right, Jeremy Conn is with the Sarah and Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, I know you weren't there because you had uh, left for vacation, but uh, Trey Mancini hitting a home run and turning around and blowing a kiss to Sanzi the other night. Um, I, so I, cool. I mean, can you put it – I know you and I talked briefly on the anniversary of Mo's passing, but mm-hmm. can, can you put into words – like, there are still – to still – have moments like this and and his impact for it to be seen so publicly. Can you describe that? It's... Well, yeah, I mean, so we went to, um, where did we, we were trying to find a place uh, Wednesday night because we got down here, you know, kind of getting situated. And I said, I got to find a place where I can watch the Oriole game and I can listen to the sound. So we ended up going to, I think it's Tequila Mockingbird, which is near where mm-hmm. we were staying. And I said, look, it's 630. I need you to turn the pregame show on, turn it up as loud as you can. I, I explained the woman the story. And I looked probably like the biggest goober cheering during a pregame show where everybody's like, what the hell is this cat doing? And as we sat down to eat, eventually having a couple drinks, and um, and I on an 0-2 pitch, I see Trey belt one out because I was so mad at Lopez. I'm sitting there like, come on, man. This can't happen tonight. Like, they, like win tonight. Like, right. this is an emotional win, and it'd be great. Um, and um, as, as it happened, Trey hits that home run, and I just started screaming. And, like, I had tears rolling down my face. And when I saw him, you know, point up at Sanzi, that just made it ever so much more great. And then looking at Hyde saying, who are you pointing to? And then he told him, and you could see the look on his face that he understood. Um, and then how they won, you know, the, the craziness later on that day. So, yeah, it was a really cool moment. And then this weekend is going to be huge, too. Yeah, the with, Hall of Fame. Uh, the luncheon on Friday. And then I was I was just informed Saturday I get to in, introduce Mo uh, into the Hall of Fame. So I literally just got the phone call before I jumped on with you guys. So whoa, Saturday I'll God. be doing that. How much? How could you still have anything left after that speech you gave at the dinner at this point, right? Did, you, like, did I tell you about that, or did you hear? Cause I, like, I, you told me a little, and then I heard from some other people. Like, yeah, I went on for like an hour, and I didn't even realize it, and I could have gone for another 40 minutes. And I told him beforehand, I said, I can give you the quick speech, or I can get into it. And I just kind of laid it out, the introduction to Mo, and then how everything went, uh, our relationship, how it grew, some of the things behind the scenes that maybe people didn't know, some funny stories. And then they started playing me off like the Oscars. Yeah. I was like, oh, damn, I must have been uh, talking for a bit too long. But, so, um, so yeah, no, look, man, it's do you, my Do you know any of the details for Saturday yet? Do you, like, do you know, like, it, do you, are you giving a full speech? Like, how, how no, is that going to work? From what I was told, it's just, like, a couple minutes to okay. talk about Mo, his fandom of the Orioles, uh, you know, how he, how he got involved. And, I mean, I'll probably tell a couple of the quick stories with him and Machado, Jones, and then obviously the relationship with Mancini. But, Maybe about three minutes or so, oh, um, from what still, I was told. Oh, that's incredible, man. That's yeah. so incredible. And I know um, uh, Thread Level Midnight and Grade Eights have partnered up on an event beforehand on Saturday that tickets are still available for. Um, that I know yeah. some former Orioles are going to be out at. And, oh, boy. Boy, that's uh, that's really special, dude. That's really special. That's, that's and really, it's a really, really cool, cool class, too, when you think about, like, uh, you know, Mike – I'm, I'm going to miss a few here, but Mike Devereaux and Joe Angel and um, – because Mo would call in and go, wave that baby, bye-bye. Oh, that's he, so cool. give us one of those, so. Oh, it's so cool. I don't know if I've ever told you this. I'm an obsessed Mike Devereaux fan. Like, was my absolute favorite baseball player as a child. Really? Yeah. So it's... Yeah, I, I like Devereaux. I was an Orsalak guy when I was a kid, and I told him that when I was an adult, and he thought cool. I was busting his chops. Yeah, yeah. right? Like, it would... <laughs> well, you know, it's really funny you say that. Like, I've talked to Devereaux, like, a hundred times, but I recently, uh, our buddy Andrew Stecka, calls me on a Sunday night. He's like, bro, hop on this Zoom call right now. And I'm like, what? Okay. And so I hop on it. And the reason why he wanted me to hop on is because Mike Devereaux was on the Zoom call. And I'm like, ah, it's really funny. And every time I talk to Devereaux, I remind him of the time that like my mother literally like handmade me a Devereaux jersey 
like you know you couldn't buy a Mike Devereaux jersey. She like got a generic Orioles jersey and sewed Devereaux and twelve onto the back of it so that I could go as Mike Devereaux for Halloween one year. Um, because I that was how obsessed of a fan I was, and he keeps messaging me trying to see if I've got any pictures anywhere. And I keep That's trying awesome. to find, ask my mom if I can find a picture of this jersey that she sewed together for me. So I, that's really cool, you gotta, too. you got to find that. That'd be, I mean, that's kind of a yeah. cool keepsake when you think about it. And, yeah. You know, like, even now, like, people are asking me about the Orioles, like, oh, when are they going to get good again? And when, like, this whole this whole rebuild and this ride, because, you know, the trade deadline passing and not a lot of guys getting moved that we thought. And I was happy to see Trey stay. Uh, the stories that came out about how they view John Means and Cedric Mullins, so. Um, but you know, it, it, this whole thing, the fandom, even as a childhood and some of the guys you rooted for, even on bad teams, it's to the point where, you know, I think everybody's dying for them to take this next step. I mean, I think we're about two years away from getting back to where we need to be, but when you're looking at the payrolls in the AL East and across the board, it's kind of crazy, but, um, it is cool though. I do love that the, the Orioles bring back some of the older guys consistently uh, look, around the ballpark. I'm all for them wanting to keep those guys around, Jeremy. This is the next thing that they they got to start buying guys out of their arbitration years, though. Like th- this yep, is there's I agree. A, there's a next. It's one thing to say something. Hey, we didn't want to just trade this guy. That can't turn into two years down the road. You trading the same play for pen, player for pennies on the dollar. You know what I mean? Like that. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. The the Manny Machado thing will sting forever here that they ultimately got nothing for Manny Machado and never won a World Series with him. It'll take a long time to overcome that. You, We can say all the right things, and we think highly of these guys, and we want them around, and I'm all for that. But there's a next step to that, which is showing that commitment, offering yeah. the, the thing that they don't do, buy the players out of arbitration years in order to extend your window with, with those guys around. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that business model of when you have somebody good, you like look at what the Braves have done and the money that Acuna and and Albies is getting. Carlos Santana did it with the Indians, now Guardians, whatever we're calling them. I don't know when that officially starts, but um, you know, in Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay's done it multiple times yep. with players. I just think it's a great business model to have that you're rewarding guys and you're saving money on the back end because if you go look at the Ozzy Albies deal, oh, if he would have went through arbitration years, I mean, he, he would have gotten 150, 200 million easily, no doubt, um, on the open market if he keeps playing the way he's been playing. But, but the point is, like, you know, that, that's that's what we're all looking for and what we've been waiting for is just not, you know, seeing these guys excel and then also, you know, when they start to spend money in free agency and, and having these meaningful games and, uh, you know, that's that's all we can ask for as fans, but. Oh, look, I have total confidence in, in the front office to get this done and make them competitive. But, you know, I saw it today. Um, there's only one player remaining from the Zach Britton trade. Uh, we won't know what we got from the Kevin Gosman trade until we see what some of these international players turned out to be with some of the money they got back. It doesn't feel like they got anything back for Scope or Machado. And we can go on and on. Like, they were trying to get as many players as possible. It didn't seem like they were getting the best players. I'd rather have one really good player than five okay players that yep. might turn into something. Well, and know? it's why if you're not if you're not committed to these guys, if you're not going to spend that money that's necessary, that, that that's why I kept talking about this like say John Means, then you have to trade them when they have their most value. Like you you mm-hmm. it, you just have to do something. It can't be that you say, "Well, we like these guys because you're not competing for anything probably next year." You're not com- you know, like it, there's got to be a window which either you're either trying to win a World Series or creating your next window for winning a World Series at some point. So I'm I'm with you in saying like I'm good with it. You know what I mean? Like I'm 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 good with them making that choice, but there's a follow up that has to come with that, which is okay, now let's make sure that their window lines up with our window too. Um yeah. somehow or some way. And they need to prove that. And the best way that you go about doing that is by approaching a means, a Mullins, 
buying them out of their arbitration years, signing Trey Mancini, maybe giving him a four-year deal, something along those lines. That's the way that you prove, hey, we think these guys are part of the solution when Adley Rutschman gets there, when Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall get there, things along those lines. So, It is funny, though, when we're talking about the, the possible trades and who could get moved, we were all like hell-bent on, oh, Tanner Scott and, and Paul Fry, got, they're the ones that are most likely to get moved, and all of a sudden it's like Armstrong and Right, and, uh, and Freddie Galvis, and, yeah. And, and yeah. Freddie Galvis. So look, I, I think Galvis holds some value, but he'd been hurt, and it's like, can they really move him if he's been injured? Well, that's all they ended up doing. But I, I was happy, and I said maybe it's for selfish reasons that I want to see Trey stay here, and I know he said he wants to stay here, whether that's you know 100% accurate or if he went to another team and he had a chance to compete for a World Series, does that change his mind? But you know, we're seeing this in, in basketball. It's the same thing in baseball, where it's almost like these super teams are being created um, the Padres are making a run at it and going to spend so much money on free agency and um, some of these trades taking on contracts and giving up their farm system. We saw what the Yankees were doing. Everybody thought they were going to sell, and then all of a sudden they're buying bats and get a couple arms. But I don't know, man. It's crazy. And what the Dodgers did, it'll be insane if that doesn't work out. But um, they felt like they had to make a move because of the whole Bauer situation. What if he gets cleared and comes back, too, if they yeah. want him back? I, so. I feel like – I said this last week. Jeremy Connor's with us, by the way. See his picks every day, pressboxonline.com, uh, if you're looking for someone to bet with or bet against, if you will. Um, <laughs> I, I said this last week. I feel like the rules of being a sports fan require us to hate the Dodgers now. Like, yeah. what is what is the purpose of being a sports fan if we don't have a villain to hate? And I get it. Like, nobody around here really – why would we care about the Dodgers? We don't see them. They have nothing to do with us. You know, we know maybe a Dodgers fan or two in our lives, right? Like, they don't bother us. It's not the Yankees, the Red Sox. Well, we'll see more over the next few years. And that's so. – I, I feel like this is the way it works. Once, Even if you say, hey, well, I wish my team – and I got that from a lot of people last week. Well, I wish my team would be like the Dodgers. Sure. But what is the point of being a sports fan if you don't say, sorry, the moment you start acquiring all the players, we have no choice but to hate you? Yeah. Well, and I think that's the way it applies. We all, um, I think for the most part, I'll put myself in there, this is how I feel, I hate dynasties unless my team is the dynasty. Right, so, correct. Um, you know, and I hate it. Like, I rooted for the Patriots when they won their first Super Bowl, and I'm like, oh, this is awful. How did I ever root for them? And I even said it what, exactly what you're saying with the Dodgers. Like, I wanted to see Clayton Kershaw win. Because I hate that narrative of, uh, oh, this guy can't win the big one. He can't do this, that. Because when they finally do, then what do you say? And, and it's what right. I always go back to. It's the easiest thing to say. Oh, well, they can't win the big one. Can't win the big one. I mean, Lamar's getting labeled that, and he's, you know, into what, year four? Right. I mean, come on. It's right. just so stupid. Uh, Giannis was labeled that, and he wins the NBA championship this year. And then everybody wants to put a caveat on it because of all the injuries and F whatever. That. Um, that. But, but the, the point is, like, when you look at these super teams or – uh, these teams, as it is in baseball, that can spend way more money than everyone else. I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays are in the middle of making a run, and they traded their closer <laughs> to get something back of value, and then they, they feel comfortable where they're at. Um, you know, you see teams doing this all the time where they're, they're moving pieces, and you're like, well, why are they doing that? Well, because, because they're forced to, because their business model is we've got to stay under this threshold of $70 million. If we can get something of value, we'll take a chance because that will help us the next three years instead of someone helping us this year. I mean, there's all kinds of, like, crazy things to look at just regarding how baseball works, but make no mistake about it. If you were rooting for the Dodgers two years ago or last year, um, and I was, I was pulling for Kershaw. Now I hate him. Now yep. I want to see him lose every just, game. You just so, have to, you um, have to, you have to do that. Yeah. It's not nothing personal. It's just the nature of how it is, man. Like you got to root against like hell because otherwise, why do you care about sports? What is the point of yeah. any of this? If you don't, 
Um, where are you with the Justin Houston? Are you like I'm? I'm. I, I think it was a logical thing for the Ravens to do. I don't. I don't think that it singularly changes whether or not they're going to win the Super Bowl. But you know, I, I, I. There's no reason for them to not to sign Justin Houston. Yeah. No. I think. I like. I. I love the signing first off, and um, I hated waiting. But here again, Eric DaCosta in that front office. I, I don't know how many times they've missed out. Like, did they go low on the DeAndre Hopkins trade where it seemed like he was traded for nothing? Uh, how many times did they miss out on players that they could have had, but uh, it, it, whether it's a trade or free agency and, you know, getting a guy like this, because let's be honest, this is a team, and, and I don't buy into, there are a lot of people that are writing, they add up the contracts from all their pass rushers, it's less than what they paid Judon and, like, and um, uh, what yeah. was it, Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, like, I'm listening to you, but those were guys that were going to be on the field every down that they could play right. unless they needed a breather. Or if it was a guaranteed rundown, maybe you slide one of them out and bring in some more beef or, you know, an extra linebacker or whatever. So I, I think they desperately needed it because I, I, I think, you know, a decent pass rush um, is what's keeping this team away from competing for a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, if, because imagine how good they could be if they could allow these you – know, they might have the best secondary in football if they allowed those guys to go out there and, and play the way they're supposed to and not try to cover for five or six seconds all the time or try to go cover zero where they don't have help over the top. I mean, there's a lot of different things they could do. Um, so I'm hoping that, that Houston stays healthy and, and looks fairly good. Jeremy, uh, before I let you go, I, you, you, when I was gone, I found this thing. What would the odds have to be for you to bet on the humans in the next human versus alien war? Well, there, so my one problem with this, and I brought this up in the world of stupid because I thought this was so funny when I saw you post it. Like, if the aliens win... How you can't how you, you can't cash in, and that's and I said to you that's the only reason why I think the odds are what they are because I think that everybody's just saying well if we're gonna bet we have to bet on humans, otherwise there's no way that we can win. Yeah, like it's not like they're just gonna show up and say hey you guys got any milk or brown <laughs> sugar we're out. Like, I mean if you're venturing out you'd have to think that they have higher intelligence than us right or I don't who knows I, what are we talking about here I, like there's, <laughs> there's there's no way to bet that did, and then my favorite thing about it is like. When you place bets like that, unless there's a time stamp on it where it's like this will expire at this point if this hasn't happened, or like then then all of a sudden you put fifty bucks in. Let's say you put fifty dollars on it, just, and that bet it just sits there in your account forever. Yes, correct. Pass it on in your will, you know. That's true. You yeah. do. I guess you could give that ticket to your kid and say, "Hey, kid, yeah. don't forget if we ever win a war against aliens, you got twenty five dollars coming your way. So keep that in mind." <laughs> Um, did you did you happen to poke around at any of the, like you can also bet like who the first celebrity would be to be abducted by aliens? Oh my like, god! They, their whole section on if you click on the entertainment tab at Bet Online, which pays me no money, and I'm not telling you that's who you should bet with. It's just something that I found one day when I was trying to do some uh, some some silliness. Uh, you can bet on a lot of really r- random. What country will be the first one attacked? We did. We went through some of these last week. You can bet right now the the celebrity with the best odds to be the first abducted is Elon Musk at plus fourteen hundred. And yeah. I would have went with Russell Brand. Okay, all right. Because uh, I think he's already been abducted. I wouldn't so. be surprised by that. Actually, hearing some <laughs> of his stories, if that's the case. All right, uh, what's coming up in the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Well, I'm I'm back on Thursday, so um, so don't listen until the... then. You're not missing anything. Long sucks. Yeah, no. He's terrible. No. The Norris guy. <laughs> it is funny. I get the rundown, and I'm like, oh, I'd like to talk about this. Or right, right. You know, every night you have to mute the uh, the text message thing because they're going off at like five in the morning and everything else. But uh, but yeah, so I know they're going to get into that, and I'm sure when we get back on Thursday and Friday, we'll be talking about the Orioles Hall of Famers. 
Yep. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, approaching, I mean, we're, what, Thursday night the first football game? Uh, yeah, Thursday night is the, the Cowboys-Steelers game, yes. <laughs> and it's so funny because I'm assuming you feel the same way. Like, I'm so geeked up. Like, yeah, we got football. And then oh, you start no. watching you like, oh, oh no, Jeremy, I am the exact – I hate preseason football to my core. Like, I Oh, I do too. I but love... I'm just saying I get so excited talking about, hey, we finally have football. Back. Oh, I'm excited to talk football. about football, yes. 1,000 yeah. – okay, I'm with you on that for sure. 1,000%. No, this is not – this isn't even a cousin of football. This is – Because my nothing. least favorite thing is when people find their favorite player that's going to make the practice squad or may not make the team, and everybody's like, I can't believe they cut him. Yeah, right. He was going to be a superstar. Every, like, everybody's, scream, about everybody's screaming about James Prochet this week. Like, look, I hope James Prochet proves to be a football player. That would be wonderful news. But I am not yeah. going to react in any way to any of this stuff. we I cannot get involved with that silliness. All right, buddy. Uh, always appreciate you. Uh, hope your ear feels better. Or your tooth. Sorry, your tooth feels better. And uh, we will talk to you again next Monday. Enjoy the rest of your trip down there. And that's really awesome. Can't wait to see that on uh, Saturday night. That's going to be a really special moment, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, man. Jeremy Kahn joining us. He's going to be inducting uh, Mo Gab into the Orioles Hall of Fame, which is perfect. I mean, that's just a, it's absolutely perfect. What a, what a wonderful thing. We don't have to take a break here. We can take it on the other side. Today's show also brought to you by the BMW Championship. The PGA Tour's top 70 golfers are coming to Baltimore to compete in the 2021 BMW Championship at Caves Valley Golf Club. Secure your tickets at bmwchampionship.com. It's going to be an awesome week at Caves Valley, an event that we want to support. First of all, the event is tremendous. And then on top of that, it could be a harbinger of things to come if you're looking for maybe, say, a PGA championship one day in Baltimore. Could go a long way if there's a huge crowd and Baltimore really supports this event. Um, what, what, a, what a night it was last night in Las Vegas as um, the Gold Cup final goes to the U.S. 1-0 in extra time. Joining us now to talk about that, some disappointment on the women's side this morning over in Tokyo. He is, of course, one of the preeminent voices of soccer in our country, longtime SI writer, the football podcast. He is Mr. Grant Wall, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Grant, it's Glenn and Kyle in Baltimore. Thank you for taking the time, particularly considering I'm imagining you've probably gotten about all of an hour of sleep. Really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Uh, always a pleasure to see U.S. games. Uh, bummer for the U.S. women this morning, obviously. But, yeah, I got about an hour and a half nap between the two games. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh. By the way, hey, Greg, do you ever get back this way? Like, when was the last time you were in Baltimore? You know, it's been a little while. We yeah. lived there from 07 to 2012 and then uh, moved back to New York City. But uh, we've been a couple of times. Uh, love the city, love being there, love the people. I know you do, man. I know that's true. All right, um, let's start start with the men because that was pleasant, right? Which is, boy, what a weird <laughs> sentence that is to say. <laughs> um, can you can you put into context for people that don't really understand the Gold Cup, the nature of the teams that play, that like know nothing other than, wow, it's really cool that U.S. beat Mexico. Can you give greater context to the average sports fan about just how really stunning this was that the U.S. was able to pull off this victory last night? Well, uh, the Gold Cup is the once-every-two-years tournament for this continent. So it's our version of the Euros for, for uh, what's called CONCACAF, which is North America, Central America, and the Caribbean countries. And uh, what's interesting about the Gold Cup is 
depending on the tournament, not every team always brings their very best players. And the U.S. did not bring its very best possible team to this tournament because uh, it took place in July instead of June, which was a decision made by CONCACAF. And Greg Berhalter, the U.S. coach, made the decision to call in younger guys, from mostly from MLS and a few European-based players, a, a B team or a B-slash-C team. in uh, Mexico had far more of its best players involved in this tournament. Their coach and federation made a different decision on which players to bring in. So when you look at it from, those, from that perspective, it's a stunning win by the U.S. to not have their best players who are getting July off to, uh, to get ready for World Cup qualifying, which is even more important starting in September, and to get preseason with their European club teams so that uh, the U.S. winning this game was not expected by basically anybody. In yeah. fact, I was concerned heading into it that the U.S. might get blown out. Oh, understandably. Uh, completely understandably. And by the way, it's given the amount of possession that Mexico had, and I know the U.S. had other really good chances, if you just looked at run of play, you could argue that it was a borderline blowout. But that's kind of the beauty of soccer, right? Like you, your goalie keeps a couple out, and you hang in there, and hang in there, and hang in there, and somehow you can pull off a win. I, it's not as if the U.S. drastically outplayed Mexico; they just did enough in order to win this game. Yeah, you know, I mean the the U.S. very much bend but don't break in yep. the first half. Mexico had sixty-seven percent possession. I think shots were twelve to four. Mexico. Matt Turner, the U.S. goalkeeper, who's a fantastic shot stopper, made a couple of big saves in the first half and kept the score 0-0. And actually, the U.S. had the best chance of the first half. Paul Ariola was in on goal and couldn't hit the frame. Uh, and so uh, in the second half, I think it was a bit more even. The U.S. was still lack less possession than, than Mexico, but the U.S. was striking on the counter, and they were finding some space at times. And then... I thought this thing was going to go to penalties. We were just a few minutes away from that. And on a set piece, Miles Robinson, who has been terrific in central defense, big, tall, young guy, got his head on a great ball from uh, Kellen Acosta, who also had a great game, and and finished. And so it didn't go to penalties. But, uh, you know, just a a great night for the U.S. men's national team. And now the U.S. has beaten Mexico in finals twice this summer. Yep. They did that in the Nations League final in June with both teams having closer to their A squad. Grant Wall is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. We're talking some U.S. soccer right now. Grant, let me. you brought up Miles Robinson. Um, he really jumped out at me as he was so superb, and, and Kellen Acosta obviously was great and ends up with the setting up the goal. Who, who else from this and, and Turner, I think, is high on this list too. Who mm-hmm. else from this team may now be in a different light as we move towards World Cup qualifying and and the A team, who else that we saw play might be someone that now is in a different place as far as consideration for that is concerned? Well, I think we're going to see a few of these guys get playing time in World Cup quali- qualifying games. Uh, and maybe we wouldn't have thought that before this tournament. So Miles Robinson may even start uh, with the USA squad as long as Aaron Long is out hurt uh, in central defense. Uh, Matt Turner, there's at least going to be an argument you can make that this guy's your your best shot stopper. I don't know if that's going to be enough to overtake Zach Steffen and Ethan Horvath. Um, you know, Acosta is a guy that you can trust as a as a holding midfielder. I thought he had a terrific tournament. Uh, James Sands from New York City FC mm-hmm. 
was also very good in central defense. Uh, they only U.S. only gave up one goal this entire six-game tournament. It was a and, penalty, right against Martinique, and and so the way that Sands and Robinson played, both very young players, but uh, with just a couple, a few exceptions, I thought Sands was terrific um, and showed a lot of poise in this tournament. So that's good. And then at the attacking end, Matthew Hoppy, I thought was, uh, an effective player. Uh, you know, I, I think he's more of a natural center forward and played on the wing more, but he can do that as well. And, you know, I don't think he's going to be starting for the A squad, but he's a guy that I think is going to have a role in world cup qualifying. And, uh, we'll see about the rest of the guys. You know, so, you know, Leggett has in the midfield has been sort of a, a regular on the A squad for a little while, and I expect him to continue too. A couple guys with the uh, local interest around here, Grant. One being Eric Williamson, who got the start last night. I know had an early defensive faux pas, but you know his passes. There were a couple of times, you know, even coming off the bench the previous game. There were some really brilliant moments in there, too, for Eric Williamson. Where do you think he is, the former Terp, um, as far as the big picture in U.S. soccer? I think he's in the picture, you know, for World Cup qualifying. Um, you know, the fact that he got the start in a final against Mexico shows that he maybe has more confidence from Greg Berhalter than I thought he did. Um, so that's a good sign. and he's He's a good box-to-box midfielder. Uh, with a real future, keeps getting better every year with Portland Timbers. Kind of shocking that he was not taken on the Olympic qualifying tournament. I mean, it's really befuddling, isn't it? It's really befuddling. <laughs> you know, for a team that ended up not qualifying. Yeah. And, and here he is starting the Gold Cup final against Mexico and doing well. And, and you know, it took a boot to the head from uh, Herrera yeah. oh. in Mexico that should have been a red card for Herrera, but strangely wasn't. It's very CONCACAF of that, isn't it? Very, very <laughs> CONCACAF of that not to be a red card is the way that, that played out. Uh, Grant Wall, of course, the uh, football podcast with Grant Wall is uh, is what you should be checking out right now. The other player we saw so little of him. I, I don't, I don't know. Can you can you tell us anything at all about Donovan Pines and and his future? He's a local kid, another former Terp. Mm-hmm. His father is I mean, the the president of the University of Maryland. It's... Yeah, he's got a future. You know, I mean, like he didn't. He got pushed into action. Um, in the game when Walker Zimmerman went out hurt. And uh, it was up and down, that game against Canada. Um, You know, so I'm not necessarily expecting him to be part of of World Cup qualifying, but um, I I think he's going to be involved with this national team as we've seen uh, the depth is growing and growing. Grant, the idea, you know, the, winning the Gold Cup, coming off, you mentioned the Nations League final, there are a lot of people that are sort of allowing themselves to get carried away, right? And, like, I get that it's a low bar for somebody to say, well, this is about as excited as I've ever been about the U.S. national team. That that might be true, right? Like, because because what, what would the standard be for something along those lines? But can you can you get put that into context of – Yes, these are good things, and there's no reason to feel anything but good about them. But where does it really leave U.S. soccer? Does it does it really mean that like they are set up to to be as good as they've ever been, or is it more like, hey, they've gotten some good results? Maybe we should settle down a little bit and let them get through qualifying in a World Cup before we have any feel as to where this program is headed. 
You know, I, I try not to tell fans how to feel. If I, you know, I, I certainly don't want to dampen excitement. I mean, like, if you're looking at what I consider to be measuring sticks for growth uh, of the U.S. men's national team, uh, the clubs where the top U.S. players are playing, guys in their early 20s and even late teens in some cases, we haven't seen that before. You know, these are some of the best clubs in the world. Sure. Chelsea, Barcelona, Juventus. Dortmund, Leipzig, you know, that's reason for excitement because every single week all these U.S. players are, are playing at the, in the best spots to be in in the game. Um, that said, you still have to get results as a national team. And because of COVID, they haven't had many opportunities for that really until this summer. And so in June for the U.S. A squad to beat Mexico 3-2 in that Nations League final, was a really good step. And the next step upward is going to be World Cup qualifying. And so that's 14 games from September to March with the shadow looming overhead that the U.S. didn't qualify yep. for the last World Cup. And that makes this even more important. So um, we'll, I think, have a, an even better idea about this U.S. men's national team very soon here because – World Cup qualifying starts one month from today. Sure. And, and that's going to be, you know, A squads against A squads. And I, I think there's reason for excitement in this U.S. fan base. And if you can qualify for Qatar, I don't see any reason why this U.S. team can't have a good World Cup there. Uh, Grant, before I let you go, I, I was not up at, at 4 a.m. today. Um, not because I, I, I love watching the U.S. women. I, you know, If it had been played at any normal time, I would have absolutely been watching the match. Um, but 4 a.m. was a bridge too far. It, I, I have sensed in watching when I have watched that they have looked a little bit older. And I think there's been a lot made about this being you know, maybe kind of like a last dance for, for, for some of these players and some of this core um, as we move towards their next World Cup and the next Olympics, are we looking at a, a potentially drastically different group in the coming three to four years? I think so. You know, uh, we now know as of today the U.S. is not going to win the gold medal in these Olympics. We've seen the games. They haven't played well. It's been very disappointing. They're having a really hard time scoring goals. They've been shut out in three games in this tournament. Um, you know, we'll see if they can get the bronze later this week. But huge drop-off from the performance of the 2019 World Cup that they won yep. the second straight time. So yep. um, too many players in their 30s on this team. And so I am curious to see, one, if Vlad Krandinovsky, the coach, keeps his job after this tournament because some real – some just bad performances. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't just one game that mm -hmm. was, was bad. Yep. And then uh, whoever the coach is, whether it's him or somebody else, I think the results, the negative results in this tournament will give that coach more impetus to make more changes and bring in more young players and stop calling as many old players. Simple, right? <laughs> it's that simple, right? <laughs> it's that simple, right? <laughs> like, if it's that simple. No, I understand exactly what you're saying. And and it, it's not as if there there shouldn't be more talent there to be had. It's not as if... You know, like this, this should be the only great era in in American women's soccer history. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't be the only one. There were great eras before this. Um, it seems like there should be more talent, but I get it. This was the core of players that had done so much for him. 
you, you wanted to give them another opportunity to maybe go see what they could pull off um, during the course of this World Cup or this Olympics. It just didn't work. All right, um, Grant, uh, the, uh, remind everybody about the podcast, where they're finding it, and what they're finding when they uh, download the uh, football podcast with Grant Wall. Yeah, it's called Football with Grant Wall, F-U-T-B-O-L. It's wherever you find your podcasts. It's uh, Monday episodes and Thursday episodes, so at least two a week, sometimes more. Uh, it, it includes interviews with a really wide variety of people in the soccer world, interesting figures you may have heard of, who may be famous, some you may not have heard of, but will be interesting. And then we also do a fair amount of talk about what's going on in the soccer world that week with a look both at the U.S. and, and internationally in the global game. Uh, it's at Grant Wall, of course, on Twitter as well as where you follow him. Grant, really appreciate you. I, I can't believe that you said yes, considering how much little sleep you got. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to chatting with you again real soon. All right. My pleasure. Take care. Grant Wall joining us here on GCR. Really appreciate him. A former Baltimore guy and, of course, a longtime voice of soccer in this country uh, with SI and was with Fox Sports for a long time as well. Really appreciate Grant Wall chatting with us. Look, I, I, you know, I, I absolutely allowed myself to be absurdly excited last night. You go and beat Mexico in any competition, I don't care. If they had beat Mexico's B team or their C team in a competition with their C team, I would have been excited about it. Um, the idea that this team beat Mexico's largely A team is awesome. Now, they didn't dominate them. They didn't, you know, like they... Gutted it out. They And somebody would say they got lucky, but as we talked about at the top of the show, Mexico was lucky to not be down, you know, as well. Like, the, the Mexico had the better of run of play, but the U.S. had the better of the chances for the most part. The goalie situation I do think is fascinating. We, we talked after the Nations League that... You know, there might be some sort of competition between Horvath and Stefan, and now you add in Turner, who was spectacular during this tournament and was absolutely tremendous last night. So now you're adding one more, and that's somebody would say, hey, that's a good problem to have, sure. and it's what I said before, as long well, as you, you pick the right, right one. Well, Correct. arguably they're all going to be good, and you can't go wrong. But yeah, You, you right. hope, right? But, like, that's sure. not always the case. You know, like, there are times where you end up playing, you commit to one guy, and in that moment he just wasn't the guy, right? Like, it's it should be a good problem to have because you should be very comfortable with they, the, all of these three guys have proven themselves in, you know, Somebody might say Stefan has proven himself the least of the group, but he's the guy that's the most thought of um, internationally of the three goalies, right? Like, I, I don't know what the right thing to do is. Miles Robinson was a revelation, man. He was awesome last night. He was dominant. And uh, to Grant Wall's point, I absolutely think that Eric Williamson has earned himself the right to be a part of World Cup qualifying and to give himself a shot to be on the World Cup team, and and we'll see. You know, like, that's not a guarantee, but, you know, he had an early defensive lapse last night, and... Miss hit on that one shot. And, well, that was going to be offsides anyway, sure, so... It, but still. Yes, you would like to see him strike it cleaner. I, I don't disagree with that, but I also... I don't think that was the easiest ball to take. I would have um, nailed it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and he was trying to one time. He was trying to do everything right in that situation. It just hit the ground first mm -hmm. off his foot. And sometimes that actually ends up working out quite well because it gets you a funky hop. It, none of it would have mattered because the, the play was offsides two passes before anyway. Um, but his passes, outside of the one to the left flank in the second half, where maybe he should have released it a second earlier and might have had a better chance of putting And it, it wasn't going to be a direct goal, but, like, they would – Outside of that, 
I thought his passing was superb. Um, he has clearly offered a lot, and they gave him the start in the final. I think he's earned himself an opportunity to to be a part of World Cup qualifying. We'll see how that plays out. We are getting to that pretty quickly. Um, there's a pretty quick turnaround. My, my I now have a I have a stepbrother-in-law now in my life. Uh, someone who I've known for a few years. My my father-in-law got married this past year. Okay. And I've my stepbrother-in-law, his name is Jack, and he lives down in Austin. And I found out there was going to be a qualifier down in Austin. And he's been trying to convince me that. that could, Convince yeah, me. Excuse, I want right? to go down yeah. to Austin. He's been trying to, to get me to come down. And we were talking about it over the weekend. I was just happened to be chatting with him. I'm like, oh, man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? They got the soccer stadium now down in Austin because they got a team. And it's the type of city. Like, mm-hmm. doing it in Vegas last night, there was an awesome crowd for it, obviously. As tends to be the case for Mexican matches in America, a lot of Mexicans support more than 50-50 in favor of Mexico, but the crowd start holding the New England, you know? You so, wait, somewhere it's com- harder to get to from Mexico. I don't know that it's necessarily people traveling from Mexico to go to these matches. I think there are a lot of Mexican-Americans. Mexican in New England either. Fair, fair, but I think there are a lot, say, in New York that could make it there. Alaska. All right. You know what? Now, that's an idea. Let, that might be an idea. When we come back in, Young Utes, uh, we'll get a tidbit and tubular to wrap it up. Today's show also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Glory Days Grill's popular summer seasonal menu is back with favorites like their Very Berry Salad and Smoky Thigh Wings. It also features the all-new Shrimp Po' Boy, crispy fried shrimp on a freshly baked sub roll with lettuce, tomato, and a house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York Strip Steak, the Barbecue Chicken Bowl, Barbecue Ribs, and Smoky Thigh Wings Combo Platter, Zucchini Fries, and a Key Lime Pie. All of these meals pair well with Sam Adams' Summer Ale or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. Glory Days Grill is hiring all positions. Want to work for a great family-oriented company known for their commitment to the community? Stop into one of their restaurants and speak with a manager. Management opportunities are available. The Olympics start soon. Stop in and watch the games at Glory Days Grill. Every child who dines at one of their restaurants during the Olympic Games will receive a gold medal. Find out more by going to glorydaysgrill.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and side specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Baseball is back in full in 2021, and the bat around has got you covered from bell to bell. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and you can catch me along with my co-host, Zach Goodman, every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 on the bat around right here at Press Box Sports. We'll break down every win, every loss, and everything in between, plus tell you who we take to rake each week as the Orioles look to get back in the hunt and bring competitive baseball back to Baltimore. Catch us at PressBoxOnline.com slash TheBatAround or at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. That's The Bat Around every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 right here at Press Box 
Fox Sports. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. This is GlennClarkRadio.com. Nothing but net. All right, back here on GCR. Today's show brought to you by Window Nation. 50% off all styles of windows, plus no money down, no payments, and no interest for two full years. 866-90NATION or visit WindowNation.com. A couple of things. Uh, yeah, we talked to Bob Kravitz earlier. Carson Wentz is going to have the surgery. The story is that it's, an, it's, it's a foot injury that he's had apparently since, like, high school and is just crept back up again. Um, as I said when we were talking about Maybe you should have gotten that fixed last year. Maybe. And also, as I said to Bob Kravitz, it's a little bit weird that the Colts would acquire Carson Wentz, who's been hurt constantly, and not have a better backup plan in mind. Like, not also think about drafting a quarterback later on. Something, Just something other than Brett Hundley as being the next guy to go to. Uh, the window is it's very hard to read anything to. It's 5 to 12 weeks, which is quite the disparity in the amount of time that that could be. It could be basically the start of the regular season, or it could be the better part of the season. Yep. So not a lot to read into, but Carson Wentz, not, it's unlikely that he's the week one starter for the Indianapolis Colts. Also, um, there was some news earlier today that uh, the University of Louisville is going to put up a Lamar Jackson statue at their football stadium, um, which I said on Twitter is is kind of neat because if you're if you're a Baltimore football fan who happens to just be down in Louisville for some reason, there's already a Johnny Unitas statue at their stadium, so you would have the opportunity to go take a couple of pictures while you're there. Uh, I'm not a statue guy, other than obviously for Miles Robinson. Now we're going to need to put up a Miles Robinson statue. But um, if you are, that's that's a neat thing for you. All right. It is time for Young Utes with uh, Young Jack. It's brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Jack, by the way, how much longer do we have with you? When 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 does this all wrap up? I think next Friday is my last, the thirteenth. Okay, all right, yeah. spooky. We barely knew you. Yeah, I get. We'll prepare. I guess we do. We kill the fatted calf 
this week I think to he's got to bring in lunch right isn't that is that normally the way that yeah, it works yeah, yeah. on the last day yeah. it's sort of like when you make a, a hole in one right. you've got to pay for drinks Correct. right i think that's the way that it works so let us know we uh, typically it's been capital grill yeah. over the years is where we go and we i'm more of a dry aged bone in man Perfect. yeah i'm a i'm a i'm a surf and turf guy <laughs> yeah. myself a little bit of column a a little bit of column b you know me a little acdc or that's what i'm looking for <laughs> so uh, we'll look forward to that but we'll talk more about that i'm sure you've been preparing that yeah. for no, some I've been time calling and starting to yeah look for so we'll look forward to that all right, what you got for us, young Utes? Um, so, yeah, I got a couple things, but the first one that I was going to start with was uh, Novak Djokovic in that uh, the bronze bronze medal match. We talked about it a little bit. A little yeah. bit, but I was reading about it since yesterday or two days ago, whenever it happened, and he's being kind of compared to Simone Biles in terms of like how both athletes have handled pressure and because Novak came out and said that pressure is a privilege and it's like kind of how it defines like making you the greatest of all time if that's what you want to be labeled as and all of this and he wasn't playing the best he lost the semifinal match so that kind of Mm -hmm. he only came for one reason and one reason only to win gold and if he wasn't winning gold he didn't care about silver he didn't care about bronze it was it he just was trying to complete the golden slam and and sketch his name down in 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 history one more time but the thing that i didn't really take a big liking to was that the whole novak simone biles kind of comparison because i don't think the pressure was the reason why novak lost the bronze medal match i think he kind of called it quits and at the end of the day couldn't really care less if he had won because so so there's a bunch there's a bunch here we'll talk about it on um on courts of thunder we'll do an episode later on today um I, I am I, there's a oh boy. The Simone Biles conversation was so stupid. It's it. I just didn't want to talk about because it, it was stupid on all ends. It was I, the, the best way to compare it was when Chuck Knobloch couldn't throw the ball to first base. Should he have like maybe at some point gone to his manager and said, I can't throw the ball to first base. And of course, Simone Biles was not dealing with such an extreme. We don't think. No, that's exactly. Right. She was dealing with something called the twisties, which is gymnastics version of that it's it's apparently a very known thing in that world that we just don't know anything about because we don't give a rat's ass about gymnastics she was dealing with that the yips if you will the gymnastics yips they call them the twisties where you can't land something now apparently she is going to compete in the yeah, balance she's coming back beam, for the last one yeah. the the one but like the events that involved doing the like the vault she couldn't physically do it and realized that was why she went and tried it, realized it wasn't happening, and said, I've got the yips. And us trying to make it about quitting or something along those lines, Chuck Knobloch badly hurt the Yankees because he couldn't throw the ball to first base, but they kept playing him at first base. This this really this is one of the most insane things that ever became a conversation. What it really was is we just had no idea of what we were dealing with. And so a bunch of stupid people that don't understand gymnastics started trying to have a conversation about a gymnast. This is a real thing that exists in gymnastics. And instead of talking about that, we were talking about her being a a, a survivor of sexual assault and all these other things that maybe have something to do with it. But in that moment, it's very simple. When you've got the yips... I don't know if you guys have you guys watched the uh, new episodes of Ted Lasso yet? Not yet. Want to thank a friend of mine who offered to let me uh, use his Apple Plus so that I could watch the first two episodes, um, which I enjoyed a great deal. Thank you, um, Matt. Same level. Appreciate it. Oh, it's quite good. It's quite good. But they deal with the yips thing. In Spoiler alert. Thanks. 
I didn't tell you how it ends, pal. They deal with the, there's a but yips. The cookies thing. aren't as good this, this season. No, the biscuits. They're yeah. just not. They don't stand up. They deal with the yips thing in the first episode of season two when somebody has the yips. And I know nobody. You're not supposed to say yips. I understand that. And like in golf, they'll, you know, like it's a big thing. You never say the word. Um, when somebody has that, and in gymnastics they call it the twisties. They can't do it. So we allowed it to be about all these other topics and you know toughness and all this other nonsense that had nothing to do with. She couldn't land a vault. You can't compete if you can't land a vault because you're dealing with. She still landed it somehow, but she was right. Yes, not what she was going for. You can't. You can't land the vault you're trying to do. Correct. You can't do it, and so it's as simple as that. Comparing it to Novak. By the way, the, the, the other thing, too, is that people made this quote that Novak Djokovic uh, out, gave out to be something related to Simone Biles. It had nothing to do with Simone Biles. It's just that in this, we're obsessed with celebrities, and Simone Biles is a celebrity. So any quote that we saw, we wanted to compare it to Simone Biles in some way because we suck as a society, and we lose the ability for context. So now it's like Novak Djokovic is taking a shot at Simone Biles, which he never did. He was talking about something else. The problem here for Novak Djokovic is this isn't new. Him losing his mind and smashing his racket, it happened. It's the reason why he didn't. If he had just not done that in the U.S. Open last year, he'd almost certainly already have the record. He'd almost certainly already be at 21 at this point because he would have almost certainly won the U.S. Open had he just not lost his mind in a situation. He's had this problem. For as great as he is, he's had this problem. The context that tennis people don't understand is this is – Andre Agassi talks a lot about this. The, there is no sport that is more taxing on your mental health than tennis because you are literally standing out in the heat for sometimes as long as three to five hours without being able to talk to anyone. You can't talk to a coach. You can't talk to a teammate. You can't talk to anybody. It's why so many tennis players would choose to flip out at umpires because they've got all of this stuff pent up that they just they got it's got to come out at some point. It's a different sport. There is no comparison between a basketball player and a tennis player. A basketball player is constantly talking to people throughout the course of the game and dealing with whatever they're dealing with. Meanwhile, a tennis player is sitting there in isolation by themselves dealing with all of these things at this level. Doesn't mean it's okay. Doesn't mean I'm saying that, you know, you should just be able to throw and smash rackets and act like a maniac or anything along those lines. It's just that part of the conversation is more complicated, and there is no comparison between a tennis player potentially losing their mind and what someone in another sport might do because there is no sport like tennis in terms of isolation. None. There isn't anything that's similar. All of this is context that when we talk about these things on the internet, on social media, or on some Fox Sports 1 talk show, we don't offer any of this context. We just try to have a stupid conversation about toughness or quitting or whatever the F word you want to put in there. Are you right, Jack? Did Novak Djokovic have any interest in the bronze medal match? Not at all. Has Pablo Carreño Busta also been a tough opponent for Novak Djokovic? Yes. And I think that pissed him off and frustrated him. I, I mean, I... I do think Novak Djokovic would have liked to have just gotten easy win in the bronze medal match, not had to have taxed himself much. And apparently he's dealing with a shoulder thing. He ultimately pulled out of the, um, uh, the mixed, mixed doubles. doubles yeah. He's apparently dealing with a shoulder thing on top of that. <clears throat> and that's more concerning because the bigger story for him, as much as he would have loved to have won the gold medal, 
The bigger story, of course, is whether or not he wins the U.S. Open and completes the Grand Slam. And if the shoulder thing lingers at all, that becomes clearly an issue at that point. But my, my message is, all, like I said the morning of the Simone Biles thing, when we constantly talk about things we don't understand, we're making... Remember when John Stewart went on Crossfire all those years ago and looked at Tucker Carlson and said, you're ruining America? Like, that's what we're doing. When we constantly think we need to talk about things we don't understand, we are helping nothing. Nothing. We didn't, un- none of us had ever heard of the term twisties when Simone Biles pulled out of the gymnastics competition. We had never heard of it. We thought it was an ice cream thing. We are just stupid. And what makes us sto- so stupid is thinking that we know what we're talking about constantly instead of saying, I don't understand this. Or I need to educate myself before I have a conversation about this. We have a problem in this country. Badly have a problem. It's not just in this country. That's unfair. It's all over the world. Where we don't understand things, and yet we think we need to opine about them. And we are hurting discourse, and we are making, we are making ourselves idiocracy. Because we are dumbing ourselves down by just thinking we know what we're talking about. And it's not just the guys on TV that do it for money. It's dopes on the internet. It's everywhere. Where we are yeah, just... Jack. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> You're ruining America, Jack. Sorry about that. Thanks a lot, Jerry. All right, go ahead. Number two. Uh, I'm so, sorry. No, sorry. No I got worries. off on a tangent. On a, on a little lighter of a note, uh, I mentioned last week, not on air, but um, I had mentioned that Kyrie Irving had come out with a new shoe, so yep. I figured I would talk about it on uh, on today's episode. Oh, we were talking about that on Friday, yeah. Yeah. So, no, again, not on the show. Nobody else heard that. Yeah. Just, just um, So Kyrie Irving has uh, got a new shoe, the uh, Kyrie 8s, and... Usually when a player comes out with a shoe that, you know, they usually take like much pride in everything because it's all of their years of hard work and it's a signature shoe deal. Not a lot of people really have that. And when a shoe releases, there's a lot of excitement and anticipation for people to get it, except if you're Kyrie Irving. So we can just add this to the list of things that makes him just the weirdest person, I think, in the entire world. He's a really strange cat. Man. Um, so he's endorsed by Nike and they are going to they're scheduled to release his uh, his new shoe uh, very soon. And um, Kyrie called the shoes trash and was very upset by the fact that, according to him, he didn't really have much say in his own shoe, um, which is kind of causing him to be a little upset from Nike and and that they're going to release a shoe that he's really not. But maybe they shouldn't be giving him all that much to say and decide. (laughs) Well, well, that's that's one. And two, it's like, if it's your shoe, like, haven't you met with people and discussed the color waves and and the little imprints that you want here? And, I mean, everything, like, down to, like, the smallest detail. I know Giannis just released a new shoe, and I don't think it's actually come out yet, but, um... He talks about his shoe and loves his shoe and is obsessed with it and can't wait for people to wear it. PJ, I think it was PJ Tucker actually got his hands he on did, yeah. a pair of Giannis's shoes before Giannis actually got a pair, um, which was kind of funny. But I don't understand the whole thing with Kyrie and hating his own shoe. It makes no sense. It's just it's just if, another if, thing. If for, I were Nike, I might be reevaluating my relationship. With Kyrie <laughs> right. It's like we, we know that Kyrie's right, a, right. a problem guy. He causes yeah. some issues. It's like, do we really want to be dealing with this? It's also a bad look for. 
for us as a company because if the guy that is his own shoe he's saying he hates it, yes, it's we, like, how we, are we going to sell Kyrie's shoe? Do, we need you to do some marketing for us, <laughs> Chief. Like, not this. Nah, yeah, that's, that is a wacky bit. He's an odd character. Yeah. It'll be yeah, interesting. I think that's a nice if, way uh, of saying it. If people, if, uh, if you got the kids uh, wearing the, the uh, new Kyrie shoes, if Kyrie won't even put them on, so it's we'll a see. really weird bit. Yeah. All right, uh, go ahead because we're, we're running low on time. They'll end up being probably cult classics as a result of all this. Yeah, people will just be obsessed with them because, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, that'd be funny. Uh, so, And then the, the third thing that I have is uh, dealing with Shakari Richardson, who obviously we know wasn't participating in the Olympics this year, but sent out a tweet, I believe, yesterday. It was the day before Jamaica did, like, the clean sweep in uh-huh. the 100 meter. Yep. Um, and so she, on the women's side. On the women's yep. side, yeah. And she had sent out a tweet. It just said, missing, By the me, way, missing qu- me yet. Oh really? That's what she had sent. Yeah, but and then and then the day after came and congratulated talk, Jamaica. Talk so. your ass. Talk your ass. I'm good with that. So it's gotten very mixed reviews from people. Ah, who are, F, who I cares? Mean, F them. She's pissed. She's got the right to be aggravated. Absolutely. So, I mean, she'd be there. Ass. I mean, to say if she would win gold, no I'm, idea. I'm not sure. Right. You can't really speak that far into the future, but. People are saying, you know, just kind of sit, sit down, relax, no, like, get ready for the 2024 Olympics. No, no. Like, why would you talk? Go, like, go you, f that. You screwed up all of this kind of stuff. Look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge if she, if I was in there, if I was in her situation and I was watching the Olympics and not a single person from the United States even medaled, I would probably take my, uh, my thoughts to Twitter and let the world know what I thought. And it's kind of like a big and, f and you. By the way, to, it's about the nicest way she could have possibly done. That, right, right. Exactly. Like, she didn't call anything, call no, anyone out, no. say anything personally. All she said was missing me yet. And yeah. it was her ex-boyfriend. It wasn't even about the list. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> I mean, I'm, it would have been interesting to see if she had won gold medal. I believe the uh, a world record was set in that race too. So I think they whoever the whatever person came in first broke the record. So I don't know. It would be an, it would be. F- Cool to see if she was able to participate. I'm you sure. want the best athletes compete. Right. So at the end of the day, it comes down to you want the three best mm-hmm. in the world to come in top three. But unfortunately, she wasn't able to participate. So we'll look forward to the 2024 Olympics where hopefully she'll, she'll take home gold. Very so. good. Thank you, Young Jack. Excellent work. Uh, tidbit brought to you today by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour, which returns tonight. I'm told it's Stan Ross, Rick Dempsey, and Boog Pal all together talking baseball. That should be a good one tonight on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Sports. It's always brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 to get roof and siding repairs for just the cost of your home insurance deductible. 410-401-9797 or C3America.com for your free analysis. Tidbit of the day. Uh, Justin Houston, since entering the NFL in 2011, trails only Von Miller and J.J. Watt for the most sacks in football. Pro Football Focus tracks statistics maybe a little bit more in-depth than the NFL, and crediting sacks can sometimes be a bit of a, you know inexact science. Mm-hmm. According to Pro Football Focus, he has totaled at least 10 sacks in each of the past four seasons. You're, so s- you're saying this based off of... What was credited right. to somebody else, maybe should have been credited, all that stuff. Who knows? But that's what they say. Um, it probably removes the Ravens from the Chandler Jones discussion altogether. Almost that's certainly. Fine. Another trade discussion that's been going on in the NFL, though the Ravens figure to not be involved in this one given their secondary depth, is, of course, Xavier Howard of the Dolphins, who has the most interceptions in football last year with 10. In fact, in the first five seasons... Has there been any movement there? Have we heard anything about anybody? I don't think so. In his first five seasons, Howard has 22 picks, the fourth most all-time, or tied for the fourth most all-time, behind only Richard Sherman with 26, and 
Ed Reed and Marcus Peters tied okay. at first with 27. Neat. Only one football player. Apparently Marcus player. Peters was heavily involved in landing Justin Houston. Well, there you go. Yeah. Only one football player in NFL history, quarterback I should say, has at least 50 passing touchdowns of 50-plus yards. Say that one more time. One quarterback yeah. in NFL history. Yeah. 50 passing touchdowns of 50 or more yards. I mean, who? Aaron Rodgers. No. Tom Brady? No. It's definitely not an easy guess. No, that wouldn't make sense. Brady, you know, throws underneath. Yeah. Um, only one all time. It, and, and it's got to be something a little bit unexpected or else you wouldn't have put it here. Maybe. Eli Manning, maybe? No. Joe Flacco. No. That's pretty funny, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to figure out. What is it? Um, it's Dak Prescott. It's not. It's it's Phil Rivers. It's not. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. It isn't. That'd be funny, though. It's it's Drew Brees before his arm fell off. Nope. It's uh, I mean, okay, is it, is it is it cheeky? Yeah. Oh, is it Stafford? It's not. No. That's not cheeky. cheeky. It's Matt Ryan. It's not. It's it's um all right, give me something cuz it's already 12:27. Talked about him today. Talked about him. J- it's Jim Harbaugh. No, I wish. Who else did we talk about today? Carson Wentz. Nope. It's what other quarterbacks did we talk about? Oh, Johnny Unitas. It is indeed. Yeah. The great Johnny Barely Unitas. Said we talked about him. I, I brought his name him twice. Up. Yes. When else did I mention? Oh, with uh, the the cold stuff. All right, you're right. You're right. You're right. I did mention him twice. Very very good. All right, tubulars brought to you by the new print issue. Of print. And that's not really cheeky as much as it's just. I'd say it's cheeky. Interesting. I don't know. Whatever I would call it. Uh, tubulars brought to you. you thank you. Tubulars brought to you by the print issue of Press Box, which is available right now at your neighborhood <laughs> Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town. Or read it all pressboxonline.com. Of course, that's Talia Tungavailoa on the cover. Orioles open up a series in New York against the Yankees at seven on Masson. Jorge Lopez, Andrew Heaney, Masson two, and ESPN for Phillies Nationals, which you, you you know now you can't miss that series. Glad they picked that up for national TV. MLB Network Indians Blue Jays at three. Giants Diamondbacks late tonight. Diamondbacks. Yeah, Diamondbacks. Uh, of course, the Olympics all over the place, including on Peacock at 12:40 a.m. The USA Spain uh, knockout round, I believe, quarterfinal men's basketball game. Uh, the USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. Anything non-sports? I don't think anyone really cares about the stuff that's on, but if you really do, check it out, glennclarkradio.com. Thanks today to Grant Wall. Thanks also to Jeremy Kahn as well as to Bob Kravitz out in Indianapolis. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Irons and fires, stuff and things. These, this is going well. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including... The U.S. Army, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, ExxonMobil, KNS Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Great Eights Memorabilia, Sports and Social MD, the BMW Championship, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, your local Toyota dealers, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Kyle Ottenheimer, Sad Lonely Man. Follow him on Twitter, at K Ottenheimer. Thanks to Young Jack. Follow us, at Glenn Clark Radio, on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great Monday night. Go Birds, go USA. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.